The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. <laughs> hey, what's happening? Can I give you a real hug? Like, yeah, I you can give you a real hug. hug. Sure. Oh, I missed you. What's up? I miss you too. What's going on? It's great to see you. Yeah. And uh, I always like to give you a gift. Um, so this is my like shroom mates, you know, our connection through psychedelics. That's beautiful. And, uh, and I added this one, train all day, JRE all night. <laughs> and then I got the... Oh, wow. Mushroom guy. I got a mushroom playing a mushroom drum set with like some guy dunking on, you know. Nice. I wanted to model the feet, but I want to give it to you. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> I don't know if it'll fit, but I'm sure it'll fit. Here you go. Thank Here. you. Yeah. There you go. And what is this fucking costume you're wearing underneath this? Jesus Christ. Ah, Joe. Um, I've been cruising Austin. All right, where do I begin with this? Okay. <laughs> where where do I begin with this? Where do you begin with this? Uh, I touched down Austin yesterday, right? This is what I, this, they're like. You touched oh, down wearing that or with the I face? I had this on and, I, and people were like, do you think they know I'm from LA? <laughs> do, you, do you think they know I'm from out of town? Um, no, there's a lot of people here like that. Let me do a, a call out to the Asians really quick. Uh, Asians, if you're listening, to all my gooks, all my jungle agents. I've been here for 24 hours in Texas. Oh my God. I found a Kabichin place, awesome sushi. There's like two banh mi places, a halo halo place. Like, if you're listening, this I've done the reconnaissance. I was on my bike. I went down Congress. I went through like um, uh, Westlake. I, I, I rode all over town. Like, it was the best. Like, I had explosions in the sky playing. Um, I watched Friday Night Lights when I got back to my room. It's like, this place is, I saw like maybe two homeless people. I rode around the lake, barbecue's great. Like, that was my concern, right? I think the last time I did your show, you were, it was the week you were about to leave. I talked to Jamie, he was like, yeah, you know, and I was like, this guy, this guy's not really going to, like, <laughs> it's such a, it's such a bold move. And like, I didn't even, like time has passed so quickly. It's been like two years since I saw you. It's almost three. Shit, it's almost three, yeah. Yeah, I've been here almost three years. Oh it'll be three years. Well, it'll be three years, Jamie. In May, it'll be three years that I looked. Yeah. And then August when I moved here. Yeah, so I'm, I, I, look, when people tell me how awesome Austin is, I don't know the rest of Texas, but like, Austin is like the vibe yesterday. It's like the weather, like everyone was out, like having picnics. How many days are you in town for? Uh, I leave tomorrow if you want to, like, like... I gotta want to show you the club. Oh, I definitely want to show you the club, but, like, I, I was, like, checking out real estate on my bike just to be, like... <laughs> I was just... I got a Looking lady. like this. Yeah. Looking like this. <laughs> <laughs> and I gotta tell you, man, like, I kind of, like, come in hard like this because I want people to be, like... And Austin's already weird, right? Like, yeah. And no one, no one gives a fuck. No one gives a fuck. We're waiting an hour in line at Terry Black's like this, no one gives a fuck, like... It's just like, it's like, there's not a ton of Asians. Not like I like. There's I li Asian communities. There right? is, there is. But I'm saying to the Asians listening, it's it's a good place. I, it's an open-minded, cool I see cool very place. quickly why, why you didn't go back after. Like, 
yeah, I don't want to go back. I'm not going back. I don't want to go back. The, there's no traffic here. The people are so friendly. They're so nice. Yeah. It's like everything about it I love. There's so many artists here. There's so many musicians here. There's so many comedians here now. It's fucking thick with comedians. Yeah, and like, you think I like dressing like this? It's like, it's because I'm born and raised in LA. Like, I'd rather raise kids here and like have them not look like this. Like, <laughs> sorry, mom. Like, fuck. You, that's your fucking fault. Like, um, so yeah, it's I, a great place to raise kids. Feels too. very artsy. Yeah, like, tons of art everywhere. Yeah. Like, and the deeper you get, like the more you're here, the more you'll see. That. The more you'll see that, the more you experience that. What is your threshold for compliments this morning? Oh, generally not that good at them. <laughs> All right. Well, I just have to tell you because I've once again like we don't talk very often, but when we do, and then like I, your voice is just on all the time because I got you playing. You're a great audio portrait artist. Like the interviews you've done using like you've captured the essence, like the way a painter captures, and it's like the best of that person, right? Like you've of that celebrity or that scientist or whoever. So you're a great audio portrait artist. Thank you. Um just that that move to like be like LA sucks and then lead the charge and like look, my driver my driver, like, I saw on the map that I was, like, a mile away, and I told him to, like, drop me off because I just wanted to walk a little bit like this. And uh, he's like, what do you mean? It's like, how are you going to get there? I'm like, I'm walk. Like, like you're going to walk to the studio? I'm like, yeah. Like, like walk the earth, motherfucker, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and walking, you know, going down South Congress, and, like, your presence is felt. Like, you've, you've like, kind of changed. Like, the comedy club thing, oh, my God, like... That's amazing to to like try to get a into a comedy club like you it's gone full circle like you like you've gone like from trying to get the spot at the comedy club to now owning one and you're like I'm going to do it my way and like all the things I didn't like so that that courage to like just cut your own path gives me courage and I just want to say you're lovable Oh, you're, you're lovable too. You're loving, <laughs> and you're just you're you're love. Thank you. You are love. So I Thank just wanted you. to. I appreciate you, brother. I just wanted to say that. Yeah, yeah I just uh, you know my I just follow my instincts, and my instincts were first of all to get the fuck out of L.A. I felt like it was just going to get worse. Yeah. I felt like the way the government is run there, they're they're just drinking the same poison that got them sick, and they're not going to change. And after all that defund the police shit and. The, the chaos of shutting all the restaurants and bars and everything down from COVID for like a fucking year and a half. I was like, you people are incompetent and you're not going to ruin my life. I'm going to go someplace where you're more free. Yeah. And this was the first place that we went in May of 2020. Right. And my kids loved it and my, my wife loved it. I was like, let's go. Let's fucking right. move. So a couple months later, I was here. And, and you, don't, you don't seem to come back that often. Taylor. I don't like it. I don't yeah. like going back. It feels it feels shitty when I'm landing. Too um, many people, man. I think when you get too many people in an area, you devalue people. You, you don't appreciate them as much. They oh, become absolutely. a hindrance. I have a. I live in a pretty nice neighborhood in LA. I have a bat, a baseball bat. I'm not an athletic person. I have a baseball bat in my house that's never hit a baseball. It's only hit human flesh. Like <laughs> it's like it's like insane. If I like forget to close my garage one night, there's junkies in there and. I'm just like, maybe Austin is a nice starter place, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to like get out, get out. Like I'm looking in South Montana. America, I'm looking in um, Asia, I'm looking in New oh, Zealand, shit. I'm looking in Africa. Jesus. Yeah, like so, 
I mean, Costa Rica, Costa Rica for sure. Like, um, yeah, because I just you're right. That whole thing about things being too populated. Oh, and I have to like before we like get into it. Like, I have to like you came on my podcast like. 15 years something like I don't something crazy something like way in the early early pod days and it was like so and I've done your podcast a few times now so it's like I remember when it was live and I would leave your studio and as soon as I left people would be like yo that was great I was like oh <laughs> shit dude so I always knew you had impact but to come on your show the last time I came on like two, two three years ago it's like standing on a soapbox with a microphone in front of the whole world like in three years like, not a day has gone by where someone doesn't say something nice or say, hey, man, like, I was going to kill myself and I heard that episode and it's like, you changed my life. And I'm like, uh, okay, thank It feels weird, right? It's weird. But in the way, I mean, Jamie, you could talk about it with, like, we do. you do the show and then you chop it up into, like, clips, right? There's people out there that chop it into, like, TikToks and Reels and what, there's one where I talk about the Hadza tribe, the hunter-gatherer tribe, that has 30 million views, and I don't know what that monetizes into for, like, YouTube or whatever, but I think it's, like, it's like 10, 50, 60 grand. So it's, like, the words are the, in, like, you can, like, just, this is it. Like, someone could get rich just, like, talking and doing this shit. And so after after doing that show, and I'm, I'm just telling, like, my journey to Africa and how I felt being with this hunter-gatherer tribe, it like literally saved their lives. Like, like the money that came in, the amount of people that donated to the Hadza, uh, the Maleka Foundation, the you know the foundation people are calling me saying, "What's happening right now?" There's so and like this is like clean water for them. This is like, you know, education, clothes, like all these things. And I'm like, wow, you talk about something on Joe Rogan, it could like save a culture, you know? And and there was so much. Um, like the influencers that went out there, the guy with the red headband that eats all the crazy shit went out there. The liver King yeah. went out there. Logan Paul. I've never met the guy calls me like, bro, take me to Tanzania. Like, so there's like insane, like, and if you guys are doing that, like, please, however money, much money you're making from getting those views, like all those views have like, all those videos have like millions of views. Please uh, donate back to the Hadza because like they need it. But yeah, I mean, the uh, Rasuli, Shawnee, the guys that I, I know out there are like the tourism is 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 great. So it's like a thriving thing just because I talked about it and uh, um, and like going off what you said, like um, I helped make a film. I was the cameraman on this film called uh, We Are Hadza. If anyone out there wants, I just helped make it. It's just like the best documentary. It's like the first beginning to end baboon hunt and then skinning it, eating it. Like you feel like you're living that lifestyle. So I'm not trying to be like Harrison Ford in like a mosquito coast, but like, I think, uh, Austin is a good buffer for the family. And then eventually I do want to fully go to kind of like, I'm not, who am I kidding? Like not fully hunter gather, but like fully like a culture where it's like not that many people. I know who all my neighbors are. Mm. I'm living like half like city life and half like there. So things are starting to steer towards going back to Africa for wow. me. I mean, I'm not even close yet. I'm just saying like, um, I what, remember. What was it about that spoke to you so much that you want to be there more often? 
um, well, like art, I'm an artist, right? And art is about expression and creating. But if you're saying I'm a professional artist, at some point there has to be a conversation about business, monetization, making money. And, you know, we could get into all the AI shit, which is crazy. But, um, you know, I go, I go to Africa with the ego of like, I'm an important artist, you know, like, and I'm going to like, so I, I, my backpack is mostly art supplies. Right. And I get there and there's a cave that we're living in for like a few weeks. And like, you know, if the weather's nice, we sit and sleep on top of the cave. And if it's, you know, really raining or something, we sleep under the cave. And in the daytime when like the real men are like hunting, I'm like, I'll give art lessons to the kids, you know. And because the kids have no art training, they're just raw, you know, they're just and it's just what they here's a bow and arrow and they're just drawing like and the drawings are like amazing. And I'm drawing them in my mind. These are going to be like museum pieces or like I'm going to archive them when I get home and put out a book and like donate all the money back to them. And um, so we spend the whole day drawing and I'm like, these are like some of the best pieces of art I've ever because it was fun. It was like in nature. It's with these guys that are not trained, you know, and it's and I'm looking at it and I'm like holding it like this, not to like, you know, smudge it or anything. And they're like, yeah. And then the, the tribe comes back. They're covered in blood. They, you know, they got an animal. And I'm like, look at this art we made. And they're like, oh, that's cool. And we're on top of the cave. And they're like, cool. And they throw it off the cave. I go, wait, wait. And I'm like, wait, what are you doing with that? I could have. And I go, oh, yeah, Hunter. Like, they don't have anything. Yeah. They, they don't. Like, what do they have, a flat file out there? Like, and I was like, whole, like, it just hit me so hard in that moment. They're so present. It's not about, like. Oh, I'm I'm living in the moment and then I got to like go home and edit it and like, you know, do it's just like we did it. We love it and bye-bye. It's a piece of paper in the wind now. And I was like uh you know, and there was one that I drew like, you know, and I I had it sketched and I was like spending a lot of time. I was like I'm going to try it too. <laughs> and I threw it off the cliff and I was like more of this. Like more of this. Like I want this thing where you just live and it is what it is and less like anxiety stress how am I going to make money off this and and it's just they're so happy and look I spent a lot a lot of time with them and I go back as much as I can um so yeah to 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 see them like you know all the YouTubers that went out there and I'm like oh there's there's Shawnee and and Nona and Gonkida and I'm like fuck they're like many celebrities now um, I mean, I don't know, like, I feel like every time I go back to Africa, whether it's like Congo or Tanzania, which are like two completely different, you know, um, I remember when I went to the Congo the first time I was 19, 18, then 1995. That was when you filmed that thing for Vice when you were looking for no, dinosaurs? No, the first time I went is when I went to look for the dinosaur f- by myself and then Vice saw that I wrote an article about that and they sent me back like 10 years later when I was 20, 25 or something. Really? But I remember finding a missionary deep, deep, deep in the jungle and he's like, bro, you think you're the first one? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you think you're the first like lost soul that's come here looking for dinosaurs? And I'm like, I'm like, I'm not. And he's like, He's like, I've been here for 20 years, like living with these people, like every five years, a weirdo like you comes through (laughs) 
and do you think you're really looking for the dinosaur? And I'm like, yeah, I'm looking for a dinosaur. He's like, no, you're looking for something else. You're either running from something else or you're looking for some kind of meaning in your life that you can't find. So this is, you've pushed yourself to, to this, you know? And I'm like, fuck, dude, you trying to get deep with me, bro? <laughs> like, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I go back to Africa and like, it's hard for me to talk about this stuff without like sounding cringe or um, people, um, I don't know. It's like, let's look at life um, as a video game, right? Like as someone who's like heavily, heavily addicted to video games and like born into a super, super Christian kind of background, right? Like or if, if you are in any kind of like strict uh, religion, organized religion growing up, Jewish, Catholic, Muslim, whatever. Um, it's kind of like being born into a video game because it's like, it's it's very binary, right? There's heaven and hell, especially if it's Christian. And so you have to live a certain way. You got to get a certain amount of points to have everlasting love, you know, peace, joy. And then if you don't, like, yeah. you're <laughs> fucked. And you're okay, for how long? How much before forever. I can respond? Like forever. And you're like, wait, that's a long that's a long time, you know? And I'm like, fuck, man. Um, and so I, I don't, I don't subscribe to any organized religion. I, I consider myself a spiritual person, but like, without making light or or trying to be disrespectful, like, if the things that I tried to f- um, figure out, like a like a game, like a video game, was sex, money, power, right? Like, as an artist, I had subscribed to the starving artist like type right it was like top ramen you know holes in your clothes like like homeless (laughs) like i was like that is what a real artist is until i met a successful artist until i i was like oh shit like you can have a manager and an agent and an office and like you can like not starve and and i remember at that point i was in my early 20s i was like man people sure like talk about money a lot right like it seems to be like this thing that causes a lot of problems in marriages and business and i go it doesn't seem that hard to me as some and i'm saying this as a guy in my 20s that's poor i'm like what if i just like try to be as rich as possible for the next 10 years or five years like what if that's my singular focus and so i did it and it you know it was a lot of work but like the video game for of money is over for me now Right. Mm-hmm. Like I like at every industry, gambling, the stock market, um, like even like people go, oh, that's like this Korean force Gump. And he just he was like this um, like this uh, homeless guy that <laughs> like f- like got lucky with Facebook. I'm like, that was like a lot of work <laughs> to make that happen, you know. Um, and I was already w- kind of wealthy when I when I made that deal. But people like to tell that story. So. I made millions of dollars gambling. I made millions of dollars with my art. I made millions of dollars with Facebook. And it, it was a lot of hard work, but I'm like, it's kind of, if I wanted to, you tell me how cringe I'm, I sound and I'll just stop. But I'm like, it's not going to be that hard for me to become a billionaire at a certain level, right? Like I've amassed hundreds of millions. I'm like, if that's my goal now, if that's my video game, and then I know billionaires. I mean, Sean Parker and Mark being the most, but I know tons of like secret billionaires, right? And I go, I don't want any of their lives. I don't want. Right. I don't want any like. I, it's like, just money. You don't have to have their life, right? To and, to have money. 
Right. And you don't have to think about money if you have it. Right. The, the problem with money is be, people become obsessed with it because it's so difficult to attain. <clears throat> and there's so much societal value right. put on being wealthy. Right. That it becomes the thing instead of a thing. I mean, I have, I have a friend that has like hundreds of billions of dollars. And hundreds of billions? Hundreds of billions. Like one of the, you know. I have one too. <laughs> yeah. And you, you know how weird those guys are, right? They're weird guys. <laughs> and, and I'm pretty close with him. He's not just like a, you know. And I said, we were having dinner and I was like, feeling confident. I was like, give me one. He's like, what? I was like, give me one. One billion. Like, and he's like, well, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, I was like, give me one billion. And he's like, <laughs> I was like, motherfucker, you know I don't need it. Like, you know I'm not going to go buy cars and houses. He's like, what do you want to do, do with that? He's like, Dave, I don't know if you know how money works. You don't just go up to someone and ask them for a billion. I go, motherfucker, I just did. And he's like, well, do you have a plan? Are you going to show me charts and graphs? I was like, no, it's all going to be instinct. I will take that one billion and he's like, dude, you got to come to me with like, I'm not saying no, but you got to have a better, you know, you got to, you got to, you got to have like, how are you going to, I go, I promise you, I will spend it like, like the most irresponsible possible. Like, it'll be like exactly, because most of these people that have billions, they're like geniuses and they spent, everything is down to a fraction and they, they just grind and crunch numbers in their brain. And that's not how I think. I think very abstract, I think. And I go... I'm going to do stuff that on paper makes absolutely no sense. And I promise you I will change the planet with that money. Like, I'm going to do shit that. And then he was like, he was, he didn't say no, but he was thinking it over. And he's like, dude, there's like, there's no way like my money guys are going to do this. <laughs> and then I sat there and I thought about it because money is power. I was like, dude, I don't want a billion dollars. I don't want that responsibility. And ultimately he was like, eh, no. And I was like, thank you. So it was just it, a wild thought. Yeah. Spontaneous. Yeah. If he had given it to me, he would have. He would have fucked. I would have been like those weird people. I was like, eh, I don't want to touch that. I don't want to touch you that. You would have tried it out for a while. Right. You would have tried it out for a while, and then you would have gone back to being you. Right. And then so, so that has that game of that video game of money has no mm -hmm. no. Um, it's not fun for me anymore because I've, I've so years ago, like 2009, was my last art show where I actually sold stuff for money, and uh, and I didn't feel good. It was like. The my gallery Steve Lazaridis is like Banksy's Banksy's uh, guy and he's like Cho like you're on fire street art's on fire right now like what do you want to do I go it's gonna be in L A it has to be in L A it has to be on Rodeo Drive like it has to be on the most expensive street in the world and I want like every celebrity there and like you know and so it did it happened it's like it was a show in Beverly Hills all the celebrities came all the fancy people came I sold all the art. And the next day, I didn't feel any different. And and then at that point, the artist gets objectified to like just, I got a Basquiat, I got a Cho, I got a Banksy. Right, and I'm like, right. I'm like, the guy that's buying my art that can afford it, he doesn't care about the art. He just wants to, like, it's a dick contest, right? He just mm -hmm. wants to show off yeah. like, hey, I got a Cho. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not what the universe wants for me to like, just make expensive stuff. Um, so at that point, I told my manager and everyone I work with, I'm like, everything now is free. Like painting with kids, painting with guys just out of jail, painting with at-risk at youth, murals, museum, anything where it's free, that's what I'm about. I'm not, you know, or if I like, like someone, I'll just trade or give it to them, but I'm not selling shit anymore. So that kind of like ended like, you know, and then 
I had uh, finance guys and everything about wealth management is about how to preserve wealth and make more money. And I go, uh, let's do like a Monte Carlo simulation and figure out when I'm going to die by my lifestyle of how I live. And let's get it down so that I have zero by the time I'm done. Like I want to. <laughs> and they're like, so every business decision I've made since I've made that decision is I just lose money. I just lose money. And then um, the video game of sex, which I wasn't very good at, is age zero to 30, I'd been with five, six, maybe seven girls. Like, and they were all like long-term kind of relationships. There was no like one-night stands. And then at that point, like 29, 30, I was like, I'm really not good at this. Like, I don't got any game. I'm not. And... um. Like the same way if you saw me in my 20s as like a street urchin, like street kid, and, and he's like, oh, I'm going to be the w- richest artist in the world. You'd be like, you know what the odds of that happening are? Like it's it's ridiculous in the same way. And like not to sound vulgar or, or, you know, objectify women, but that's what I did at that age. I was young and I was like, um, I'm tired of the. Asians are like sexless, small dick, you know, the the math nerd. Like, I want to fuck the most amount of women as possible. And that was even more ridiculous than me saying I want to be the richest artist. And then and then I just went on a tear for a decade, right? Like, I just, it was awkward at first. And then, um, like a video game at the end, a combination of like, like a comedian working out their material, right? And with the oncoming social media and all the, you know, internet stuff, I could figure out on the dates I've been on, which material killed. Like, what, what did I say to make what girl laugh? And, you know, and, and I would have all of those, like, a crazy person, like, in my notes folders. And I could say the perfect combination of words to make a girl laugh or, like, so using everything at my disposal, anything, like money, uh, uh, you know, fun, uh, charm, like jokes, uh, power, like I'll get you on this thing or like just queuing in on what is it that you want and I can get you that. And, you know, I was sleeping with multiple women a day and I was like this, like you would never believe I, okay, not you. I would never believe what I was doing. Like I was every night, tens, 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 like Victoria's Secret models, A-list celebrities, just like, I was like, whoa 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 and you know i got to a point where i was like i wasn't my friends and i debate of they're like you're you were like a week away from sucking dick and i was like (laughs) i was like it's probably like more like two days away because it just gets there right like i was just like in rooms like having threesomes group sex and i was like i'm an artist i should you know and my parents were convinced i was like I, i was in a car uh, going to an art show uh, with my parents in Mexico City. And my mom, you know, she's like completely invested in my career. And she's like, hey, you know, um, Andy Warhol used to do like 10, 20 pushups. And then his mom would give him like a snicker bar. And I was like, that's an interesting fact, mom. I didn't know that. And he was gay. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. You know, Leonardo da Vinci, when he used to go out, like he would, no one would know he's an artist. He wouldn't have like a speck of paint on him. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that, mom. And he was gay. <laughs> and I was like, "What? What? where's this going? And then my dad's in the front driving. He's like, he's not gay. I told you he's not gay. And my mom's like, you know, we're Christian and, you know, but we know that you're an artist 
and we know you haven't brought a woman home in like 10 years. Um, so just, it's okay. You could come out of the closet. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, I, I like, I love being gay so much. Like I, I'm not like, I just, I almost wish I was right. Like I, when I play like Dungeons and Dragons or a role playing game or, or, uh, RPG, like video game or anytime I act or do anything that's like online or like a game, I always want to be a gay guy. Like, I just love it. I love that feeling. I want to play gay guys if, you know, and, but I just don't love dick. I, I want to, <laughs> I want to love it, but I just, and why, I, well, why do you want to, I, I just like, part of it is like, I, my shame makes me shameless and like, I like it when it hurts kind of thing. Like I just, I got close where there was a transsexual woman. I think her name was Eva, like her penis was right here. And I was like, it's right there. I should just like at least lick it or touch it <laughs> at least just to say I tried it and I could say I didn't like it or I did like it, but right. I just couldn't, I was like, I was so bored, not of just w pussy or women or whatever. I just was bored of the endeavor of that. And then, and then, you know, you meet people and everyone has their game. Like Hollywood people are like, I gotta get that Emmy or that Oscar or, you know? And so I, I, I like picked the game I want to play money pow. And then it's like, I sit here and the thing that I learned, the number one important lesson from gambling is get out while you're ahead is like, I love how much money I have right now. Like it's the perfect amount. I love that. Um, like I have no regrets. Like I've had sex with so many different women that like I'm just I don't need that anymore. I'm, I'm so I could be a monk for the rest of my life if I want to, you know. Like, and so the, there's only one final quest, and that's the spiritual quest, right? And that's where like people say shit like the answer is love, and it's like it is, right? And like, like, um, like there will be shit. There's shit that we talked about before we start recording that we can't and then there will be shit that we talk about later and and we live in this world now where it's like it's a crazy world right and the answer is love and everyone says it and it's in movies and it's in books but it's what does that path look like and so uh, i go towards where i feel that and i feel that in africa when i go to africa i feel that like in my soul to my bones and you know, I, I look like this in Austin and no one judges me. Like you would think going to Africa, the places I go where there's no Asians that they would say shit, but they don't. They just accept me. They call me brother. They take me in. They show me their lives and they're like, J you're just part of our tribe now. And I'm like, it makes me want to cry, you know? So, and the fact that, you know, I have this beautiful relationship with you and, you know, you let me talk about this stuff and then those words get to, you know, like, I don't know, Logan Paul, that guy calls me up right after the show. He's like, take me to Africa, bro. Take me. I'm like, uh, okay, you know, like, and, and it's just, a, it's just a tremendous thing. And then, you know, we, we made this film and it's, you know, it's, it's like the best documentary I've ever seen. So if anyone like, uh, wants to see a trailer or it's, we are Hadza, the Maleka foundation, uh, is we, it available? The whole thing? Like... Here's my, it's done. Like it's done. It's like, I'll send you a link if you want to watch it. Like it's amazing. But I, I'm, I'm, it's like, um, last, last time I came on here, I had made a TV show. Like I do everything backwards, right? Like 
like some some like the normal way to get a show on and this is I definitely want to ask you about this. The normal way you get a show on TV is you pitch it, right? You come up with an idea, but like things don't cost that much anymore. I mean, I'm speaking from a rich guy, yeah. so I know what that sounds like, but compared to what it used to cost. Right. Like you don't if you have a nice camera and you got a good mm-hmm. editing thing, like much cheaper. Like the the movie that just won the Oscar, everything, everywhere, all at once is like my favorite movie. It had like six guys doing the the special effects, and then you have you know Top Gun, not Top Gun, but like all these other movies that have like when you see the credits at the end, it's like thousands of like Korean names. <laughs> You're like, so you can do things relatively cheaply compared, right? So I made the show on uh, FX called The Cho Show, and I made it exactly the way I want. And, and, um, you know, like some, you know, whatever, something got cut. There was some notes and that's where I get stuck a lot of times. Right. Because no one tells me what to do when I paint, I could do whatever the fuck I want. But when it comes to media, there's a bigger audience. People are more sensitive. People can get triggered, this and that. So a lot of decisions made in Hollywood are fear-based decisions and i don't i don't live my life that way yeah well they're platform-based decisions right so the problem is you're an artist but the people that distribute the stuff are not artists right they're executives and money people right and all those money people they look at you and they go well david cho is very popular he's very eccentric he might this might work we might be able to make money and then they start thinking about new cars they're going to buy and new houses they're going to buy they don't think about it the way you think about it so the problem with being in business with people like that is business that's the problem right you're just trying to create something cool yeah you're like because there is really like atlanta's a great show rami's a great show there's great shows great shows but but then you're like at the end they're still trying to sell refrigerators with the advertising right yeah but not always i mean generally that's the case but there's a lot of people that create those shows that aren't trying to do that and then someone else is pitching it to the network and someone's smart enough to leave that fucking guy alone. Right. And a lot of times it's just because something is just so successful, like South Park, for instance. Right. Comedy Central 100% would fuck South Park up if they brought it to them right now. They'd be right. like, what are you going to do? Right. You Hold on. You're going to shove Paris Hilton up a gay teacher's ass <laughs> on TV? No. Right. right. No. Right. You can't do that. Right. What are you going to do? You're going to draw Muhammad? Right. But you're going to have Muhammad dressed as a teddy bear inside of a drinks truck right no no you can't do that but they're so big and they've been around for so long they can get away with it even in one of the most restrictive and goofy climates in in media so they they've become big enough so they could do that so it's it has to be someone you know whoever it is where they just leave you the fuck alone and that's very very rare but if you just want to distribute something on YouTube you can kind of do whatever the fuck you want. You I mean, can make something pretty incredible. It's it's. I just helped like produce and like I was the cameraman, so it's not my film. But I'm like, it, I I'm gonna have to talk to you about this because it's like I want people to see it because it's all the proceeds we're gonna donate back to the to the Hadza. But it's like like Paco Raturta, who's like the best. You know, he, I met him. He's in the Philippines. He made the Cho Show. He's the one that edited this thing. And I don't, like, it's not my movie. I'm just, like, there to help. There it is. Oh, there we it is. Hadza. So the yeah. full-length feature film is just, oh, that's just a trailer. This is just a trailer. I'll send you the link to it. But, like, yeah, that's Nona. <laughs> He's <laughs> so funny.
<laughs> You're not going to see any of the... That's Hannah Sparkman, the filmmaker. Wow. She's... Yeah, I mean... I was immediately drawn to them. I'll put it, I'll put it like this, Joe. Like, what is America's appetite or, or um, to see, like, it's not, you're not going to see it in the trailer, but, like, they catch a pregnant baboon, right? They rip the belly open, the baby, the fetus of the baboon falls out, and the second it hits the ground, ten dogs tear it to pieces. Then they love the protein, or what's it, what's the brain made out of? Like, um, but like it's, that's, I'm not a nutrition. That's like, they know, like they, instinctually they know that has like fat or something in it. So it's like the delicacy, like the, the animal like looks human. Then they tear through it and like, I go in a cave and it's white, right? The brain is like white and gray and I shine a flashlight because I hear like, (laughs) I hear that noise and I turn the flashlight on and I see like. (laughs) <laughs> like 10 dudes like fighting each other to like scoop as much brain and this white shit all over their face and then as they drop the skulls on the ground there's a baby playing drums on the on the baboon skull heads and I'm like this is the cra- this is the craziest shit I've ever seen in my life and I don't know if this is a ex this is how people survive yes but I don't know if that's just too much I, th- I don't know if people are I don't gonna- think it's too much it's it's real and you know that that's how those people have been surviving for a long time. It's it's natural. As bizarre as it seems, it's natural. Yeah. Because we have a really hard time with people eating primates. Right. You know, my friend Steve Rinella, he filmed a show in South America, and um, uh, he was with this uh, hunter-gatherer tribe in South America. I forget what the name. Yo, know, see if you can find the name of the tribe. I think they're in Guyana. Mm-hmm. And um, they killed a monkey and ate it, and he had some of the monkey. And it, it was like it's very, it's you're very conflicted. It's very strange. Well, it, it's uh, a primate. I mean, it's it's like like imagine if you were in a different world, right? And just imagine this, mm-hmm. and you go to a place where there's a friendly group of cannibals, and they have been hunting <clears throat> one specific type of person, maybe like. Pale skin blonde people are the most delicious. Yeah. And they just chase down these, you know, these kind of savage looking, pale skinned, blonde haired people and cook them and eat them. They don't eat anybody else. They yeah. just eat pale blonde. Albinos. Yeah. Like. Just, and these people are wild looking people. They're wearing like leaves over their dicks and they're yeah. running around barefoot. So you can kind of detach, you know, you're there with your Air Force Ones on. Like, I'm not the same as them. This mm. is different. You know. This uh, is, but this is kind of what it's like when we're eating primates because I, we're eating our history. Well, I mean, so th- that's what I'm saying. The visuals. Yeah. Like when they throw the. When they throw the monkey on the fire, that's how they get the fur off. Yeah. And he's like this. Yeah. And it looks like the crucifix on fire. I'm like, and you see the skull. I'm like, it looks human, right? And then there was that. um, Was it you that said, or was it Ranella that said, one of the things that freaked him out was when the arrow hit him, he grabbed it with his hand. Oh, that was, I think I told you that story. Because like, we feel like part of the thing is, this is the only documentary where I think, I've never seen it on YouTube, where we filmed the baboon hunt from beginning to end. And it's mm. like, 
monkeys running. Fuck you. Like he's like, that's like what he's screaming sounds like, fuck you. Wow. And then a dog gets his nutsack and rips it off. And then you're running and you see the nutsack on the ground. And, you're, and I'm like, what is this? And they're like, keep that. That's nutritious. That's, that's like the prize, like the top hunter gets that. I'm like, all right. And then you're just running and running. And then like they, they get him. And then the, um, he's grabbing the arrow and the dogs are just ripping his stomach out. And he's like, fuck, fuck. Oh, my God. It's like a. Oh, my God. But baboons are so weird, too, because they're almost like a, like a cross between a primate and a dog. Like they have that long face. Yeah. Like almost like a wolf's face. Yeah, I mean, like I when ha- their teeth are bared, it's they're a wild-looking yeah, creature. And I, and like you know, once again, like I only went on a few hunts. I wasn't like considered too manly, manly because I was just I couldn't hang. Yeah. So I'm back with the the women and children, and like I'm teaching the kid how to play drums on on like baboon skulls. There's like maggots coming out of the nose, and I'm like, hey, there's like that kid shouldn't be playing. There's maggots, and then she goes, Oop, and she just eats them, and I'm like, oh my god, there's there's nutrition in that too. I'm like, holy fuck, you know. And then um, there is a, a serial killer, a Japanese serial killer that wrote a book about which human, like he's like French people are buttery. Ja- like, like, did you, you know that, you know what I'm t- talking about, Jamie? There's like that dude. And speaking as a cannibal myself, like, I don't know, culturally, I don't know if you did this when your kids were born. Like, there's cultures that eat the placenta. Right? I did not, but I my uncle did it. So, am I cannibal <laughs> if I eat the placenta? I mean, I'm nah, eating. Well, sort of. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, and then he talks about like how different races t- taste different. That guy goes on TV and jokes around about crazy. Like, pretends to bite people. Like he he killed someone and ate them, right? Yeah, a lot. He like he ate like two French girls, I think. I don't know. I just How was he out on the street? He killed his friend Renee Hart Hartevelt and ate her remains, yet he's free to walk the streets to this day. Like how is that possible? Do they just have different ways of prosecuting people in Japan and I mean, <laughs> you know, he's reformed. Are you gonna say he's reformed? Psychiatric hospital loophole. Oh, loophole! He's... Jesus Christ, though, dude. I mean, that that is a crazy situation. So, the guy do, killed do... a woman and ate her, and he's just wandering around he amongst us. in a softcore porn where he reenacts and bites actors. Oh, Jesus wow. Christ! So, yeah, I mean. Look at this. And throughout his life, he's been chillingly unrepentant. Yeah. When he like, discusses his crime, it's as if he believes it's the most natural thing in the world, and he plans to do it again. Jesus Christ, man. He wrote manga about it? Jesus Christ. That guy's wandering around saying he's going to do it again? Well, OJ's walking around. <laughs> but OJ <laughs> lies, at least. <laughs> I know. That's true. <laughs> um, um, but but I yeah, think I, if we were all hungry, we would all do the same thing. I ate my wife's placenta, and then, like... I don't know. It's the jury's out whether it's actually does anything, but it, we've been doing it as humans for like th- yeah. thousands of years. So any of my friends whose wives get pregnant, I go, "Hey, if you guys are gonna throw it out, I'll take it." So I have a freezer full of human placenta, <laughs> and I keeping this guy. I go, if my friend's wife is like Indian, you know, is it like have a different flavor than if it's a white person or if it's a Korean right. person or a right. black person? And um, yeah, I mean, that's just I don't know, like. Crime scene of uh, the meal. Jamie, come on, bro. Oh my God, this is meal, dude. Please take that away. Take that away. I need to look at plates of human flesh. Fuck. I mean, you've been t- you've been to my. There's a giant difference between that and someone who obviously who's hunting a primate for food, right? But um, 
there's just a thing that we have where it's closer to that than like eating a fish. Like eating a fish is very far removed from us. Like people don't even mind right, if you right. show photos. Well, the thing is, in this particular area with specifically the Hadza, it is baboon because that's all that's left. Yeah. Like when I, I think I told you the last time, the oldest yeah. guy in that village is like, we used to kill everything, elephants, cheetahs, lion, everything, but they're just all ex- like close to extinction now that that's the last of us that's there. And it's totally like we're in a cave they're in a cave yeah they run like this we run like this like it's It's fucking bizarre it's really hard when you're talking about this because i don't see a way for that culture out as as uh, humans expand well i'm not gonna pretend like i have the answer to it but what even when we go there we let them decide Mm -hmm. right we're like we raise this money I, 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 um, you know, I work with the Maleka Foundation or even th- this movie, if it makes money, we, we're going to, we don't go, this is what you should be doing. Like they're, we're sending them, those kids are like, we want to go to school to get educated so that we can like use words. And like, there's one guy named Shawnee and he's like, did I tell you this last time? Probably, but it's okay. He's Say like the again. only, like some white lady took an interest in him. So this is straight up Crocodile Dundee. Like. He is like, he can like run up a tree and kill a squirrel with his, like rip his head off and eat it. But he's the only one that went to law school. So he speaks Swahili, Hadzabe, um, English, right? So he can wear like a suit and tie and then still have like the Hadza headband. And he's the only one that um, has ever, as far as I know, that was able to get all the proper paperwork to, to leave to come to the U.S. So he stayed at my house when he came and... I got him a shrimp. I took him to like every like insane restaurant. He'd never been in a swimming pool. He he swam in my pool for like seven hours. <laughs> he, he was like trying to drink the chlorine. I was like, dude, don't drink that. I took him to Fogo de Chow and he was like, leave the sword. You know, they brought out the shrimp cocktail and he was like, oh, you guys eat scorpion? I'm like, bro, that's not scorpion. It was like everything, everywhere I took him, he would eat it with his hands. Like at these like gourmet restaurants and he's like, and like grease is just going down his arm. And it was like, he, he had like the best time, but he's like, I'm so glad I went to law school. So now I have the tools to go fight for my people. And I don't know what the answer is, but yeah, that's amazing. You, it's like, that's an amazing story. I want, how, how alien must it be to a person to see an entire pool filled with water that they can't drink? Dude, the, well, these the, people are drinking out of puddles in that documentary you showed. Going up the escalator, yeah. like yeah. But there, you showed these people drinking out yes. of puddles. Yeah. And imagine they're looking at this crystal clear water and they can't drink it. You're telling them they can't drink it. Right. Like, what are we doing with chlorine? How bad is that shit for your skin? Dude, that's the worst, man. <laughs> it can't be is chlorine bad for you? Like chlorine from the pool? I don't I how could it be I good have, for I you? I have the rich guy pool now. The Salt water. No, it's the next one. Oh, this o- next ox- one. Oxygenated pool. Oh shit! Yeah, it's fancy. Really? How do they do that, dude? I don't, I don't fu- like. I go to another rich guy's house and I say, oh, How? and they How'd go, oh, that? you have chlorine, <laughs> dude. You gotta get a salt. I go, okay, I'll just do whatever you tell me. And they go, we got the salt water pool. And then, then I go to another rich guy's house and they go, uh, I went to see his place and she's like, oh, I have the oxygenated pool. I'm like, all right, give me his number. So. It's like uh, it's like if if the whole system, the power grid, everything goes down. It's you could drink out of that pool. Mm. There's no chlorine in it. That's like, awesome. Um, I think the best water that feels like like ocean water feels the best. Yeah. Like when you swim in ocean water, there's something about ocean water 
where it's it's not just water. It feels alive. It feels like you're you're dipping into an ecosystem. You're not in a petri dish. You like s- a swimming pool feels like a petri. You dish. ever snort it? Snort yeah, ocean like, water? Yeah, like uh. What do you think the answer to that question? I don't know. Be? Like, but you. <laughs> Jamie, I mean, accidentally. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah I've got it up my nose cool. accidentally, but I didn't snort it for effect, though. I'm not trying to do it, like, but like. Uh, <laughs> There was, you know, when I meet old healthy people, I always ask them, like, what's your secret? And he said, I snort salt, salt water, like, when I go swimming. Oh, and he takes a little oh. bit in his hand, and he swims, okay. and he goes, and it goes, it goes, it burns like this, and he goes, and this guy swears by it. He's like, I fucking love it. And I'm like, all right, you know. So I tried it. It, it did burn. Well, but. isn't that a lot like a neti pot? Like, yeah. People do do that to clean their nose out, right? Yeah. I read about someone who had like this might be propaganda. This might be against the neti pot industry, but there was uh, someone was Fuck using you, a neti, neti pot, pot and they got a brain, um, uh, some sort of a parasite. And Look, they died. there's always there's always going to be like one right. There's always going to be. We should live in fear. That's what I'm saying. We should just live in fear. I snort salt water. <laughs> I'm in <laughs> Seattle. Is it real? Yeah. What is it? Uh, so someone in Seattle, what did they well, just this, snort? A man dies of a brain-eating amoeba, possibly from rinsing his sinuses with tap water. This one is in Florida. Oh, that's in Florida. So there's more than one. You heard mm-hmm. Steve-O's bit about this, right? No, but if that shit gets in your brain from tap water, like, what about when you swallow it? All right, you saw- You, you saw, have to boil it? You saw the Hadza drinking the brown water, right? Yes. It's not- That water has, like, cow poop in it, and, like, it's it's disgusting, right? Uh, when, I, when I met Steve-O, he's like- when his family traveled a lot when he was younger, and he said, when he goes to other countries, they always tell you, don't drink the water in Mexico, don't drink the, and, right. he'd, and he'd always do it. And so he'd get like crazy diarrhea, get sick. But now he says he has the most insane like gut biome, and he, oh, yeah. and, and he never gets sick now, which like he seems like he should be dead, and he isn't. <laughs> and so the Hadza have a very similar thing with them. They have an insane micro gut biome, like, like the most diverse ever. So by like if I drank that shit, that brown water, I'd oh, be dead. You'd like, be fucked. Yeah, I'd be yeah. fucked. You know. Do you know who Joel Salatin is? Mm-mm. Joel Salatin is um, he's uh, one of those guys who's um, he he does these farms where all the animals on the fa- it's called polyface farms. All the animal on the farms they all work together. It's like a, it's called regenerative agriculture. Yeah. So there's no pesticides, yeah, yeah. no herbicides, and it's all just about moving the animals around and having them and he drinks out of the cattle those fucking buckets where the cows drink out those long the trough the trough yeah. yeah he drinks the water out of that for his own gut biome all right so okay this is you're the perfect guy to you know you know i'm a like you've offered to give me on it shit but i just buy all of that stuff anyways like in the same way with the oxygen oxygenated pool there's like you live a life very similar to mine where sometimes we meet people and they go, hey, man, if I had your money, this is what I would do, right? They tell you what they would do, right? So at one point, I'm sitting there winning the video game of money, and I go, You've been, you, you came to my warehouse years ago, right? Like, yeah. I'm like, I had this like 20, 30,000 square- Dope spot downtown. That <laughs> but was dope. I, but I was like, dude. I was like, damn, this is how famous artists should live. <laughs> this is fucking badass. It was badass. I was like, yeah, that's because if I went over your house and it was like Ikea furniture or some shit, it would be so boring, you know, but you lived exactly how like I would hope that you lived. Yeah. And I loved it. <laughs> I bought every car that I want. I, I, I just got everything I wanted. And I said, there's something that, you know, so 
as a rich guy, I should have the best everything. So I, because I want to live, you know, the longest. So I had state of the art gym, and I think this is 15 years ago or, or more. Like you're the first person to ever t- tell me about float tank. You're like, here's my float tank guy. I had the float tank. I had the UV spa. I had everything. I had the ice bath, all the shit. I had the the best, most expensive weights. The smoothie that I'm having every morning is like a thousand dollar. I don't know if it's a thousand, but it has placenta, human placenta. Jesus. It has two eggs, shell on, not washed. Banana, Whoa. banana sticker on. Shell on, not shell washed. on. I saw Arnold Schwarzenegger do it. So, uh, uh. Um, banana peel on. Like a whole bitter melon, like the most disgusting shake ever. Like every single powder at Erwan that costs like a hundred dollars. The three hundred dollar like uh, honey, the Manuka honey, uh, Siberian cedar pine oil. Like every single thing that someone says is good, I it tastes like shit, and I just down it. And I I have like the six hundred dollar trainer that shows up to my house, and I realize like it was kind of like. I'm I'm gonna live long and be healthy, but like it felt lonely. I'm paying a guy to be here, um, and like the thing that I was missing in my life was accountability because there's no like I'm like I want a life where I have no accountability. I want to be like a kid. I want to be Robin Hood or uh, Peter Pan forever. And so people were like, "Oh, if money will keep you accountable, if you're paying someone six hundred bucks an hour, like you're definitely gonna show up to that appointment." I'm like, "No, I'm not." <laughs> um, so I found this guy, this rogue trainer that. Like, my friend was like, I know a guy. And I was like, well, well what's this guy? Like, it's, the money thing's not going to, he's like, he hits you. And I was like, hits what? You. Yeah, he hits you. You got to sign a contract and stuff. And it's like, are you okay? Because uh, this is, and he only like has like three clients and they're all super <laughs> they're rich. All in the hospital. Yeah, he's like, you will do, you will get into shape. But you have to sign this thing that says I'm allowed to come over to your house. You have to give me a key to your house. Oh, my God. And so, like, and for someone like me who likes pain, I'm like, I don't give a fuck, you know? (laughs) And so I missed my first, like, I missed, dude, not exaggerating, I missed it by two minutes. Like, I had to be there. He runs up the stairs, and my mom happened to be stopping at my house to drop off kimchi. So she sees a guy, a huge guy, Russian guy, run up the stairs and start pummeling my sternum. And she screams like, ah! And I was like, ah! Oh, my God. I was like, mom, I paid this guy to do this. <laughs> oh, my God. And that scared the shit out of me. The, like, my mom, like, almost had a heart attack. I was like, mom, 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 I'm sorry. And then I sat there and I was like, this, this, is, this ain't it. Like, this ain't it, you know? <laughs> so, so... And I don't want to give away my exact location, but like <sighs> currently my, you know, this, this might be going further, the c- complete opposite side of the spectrum, but I go to the, like one of the shittiest 24 hour fitnesses in LA. I mean, there's a guy popping zits and shaving his neck and wiping his ass in the sink. There's always a homeless guy in the sauna doing push ups. Like it, it feels like a lot of homeless guys have the pass to this one and they just oh go there to like shower. shower up. There's always someone about to like looking like the, like they're about to give a hand job in the showers ah. or like in the sauna. And once in a while I get recognized or whatever, but I go there with my friends. It's communal like I don't know. And I'm like I don't know if this is it either. So it's like it's either running top speed to hunt food with the Hadza, the super super rich guy program on this side, the kind of like you know, showering with homeless guys and getting hand jobs at the 24 hour fitness. And I'm like, I, I want, you know, like I want to, I have a family now. I want to like have a healthy life where I live, but just, I haven't found 
the thing that speaks to me the most is the moving to Africa right now. Maybe not Africa, Africa, but like close by where I get to be in like a not populated area where I'm closer to nature. And um, I mean, like, once again, dude, only here for only been here for like one one night already. But Austin is just. I mean, it's just amazing. Like, this is... We should probably stop talking about it. Too many people are moving here. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if they want people that look like this moving here. Of course here. they do. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very... It's interesting one of the, what the thing they always say about Austin is keep Austin blue and surrounded. Mm. So, like, what keeps it in check is it's surrounded by real Texas, like, real mm. country Texas. But Austin, the city, is very progressive. Right. Super progressive. And I think it's a perfect combination because I think the two of them balance each other out and keeps everything in check. Progressive people in Austin are much more reasonable than a lot of the progressive people that I met in L.A. It's just, just a generalization for sure. It's definitely a, but they're like, an anomaly. They're Texas people. Right. You know, it's like there's a there's a deeply rooted independence in this state that came from how difficult it was to settle. Yeah, like this. There's this fucking amazing book, um, the uh, Comanche book. What is the name of it, Jamie? Empire of the Summer Moon. Empire of the Summer Moon. It's a fucking insane book about the Comanche who lived here. Mm. It's one of the best books I've ever read. I've read it twice. All right, I'm gonna check that out. It's really good, dude. And it's all about the history of this state was so difficult to conquer. Because the Comanches were, they were the best at riding horses and they were best at raising horses out of all the Native American mm. tribes. And so they had these massive stockpiles of horses yeah. and they would ride on the horses and shoot arrows before the guys could get off a second shot. Because the whole thing about old school guns so like it muskets. Like, it was like this shit. Exactly. Like, they like... kept the arrows in their fingers and they would fire them off one at a you time. Do that shit? I can't do that. No. But they like they Hawkeye. could do yeah that's crazy shit. But they could do. There's a dude that does it though, like Lars Anderson guy. Faster than shooting a gun. Yeah, check out this guy. There's this guy we've oh, we've shit. had him on before, but he's actually bringing back these old methods that people actually forgot, mostly based on artwork. Like he's looking at these artist renditions of guys with multiple arrows in their fingers. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. So. That was about Empire of the Summer Moon, right? All right, I got yeah, it. It's in there. But when you see him do it, it's really impressive. Oh, oh, like, look oh, how... oh shit. Watch oh, how he can shit. do this. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Yeah, so he's got them all stacked up there, and he's just lining them all up one at a time. All right, I got it. I'm Insane. Gonna, I'm going to come to Austin. I'm going to learn how to shoot like that. I'm going to, like, take... You'd have to meet that guy. Yeah. He, I don't think he's in Austin. I don't think he's American, right? Well, Isn't he somewhere... I'll take years to learn to do this, and then I'll I'll bring this skill to the Hadza. Oh, yeah. yeah, if they knew it. Well, if you just brought them fucking compound bows, they would be infinitely more successful. But my, my what I was saying before about them, <laughs> though, was that if... Uh, Did you if, see that last shot? He was like... Yeah, was no, he like, does crazy shit. He was like on the horse. Like, but look, how he can run and, <laughs> and do this. It's really impressive. See, look, he's he's on a horse and he's and his his, his face is just so monotone. He's just like they think that's how the Mongols did it too, and there's even uh, some really ancient photos uh, of uh, hieroglyphs in Egypt that depict arrows that are held in a similar way. So they think. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, he's it's not like he's the first guy to figure this out. 
I mean, pretty interesting shit. Austin, like I don't know any of that history, but like it is definitely. I've never been to a place like this. It's like surrounded by all this like red parts of Texas. Mm-hmm. It's just that's where the balance comes in. Though. It feels loving, like the people, are, like it, like just in like the lady at the hotel and the restaurant. Like everyone's super nice. You're not that landlocked because you could like what's two hours away to to the to the water. Right. Um, I don't know. It's pr- like I'm. I'm feeling it, you know. As long as like there's some place where I could get kimchi, like <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm sure there is. Um, dude, I have a question for you that you're the perfect person to ask for this because uh, people that don't know this about Joe Rogan used to be an actor. Well, I've done some acting. I wasn't very good at it. I was good at sitcom acting. I never did like real acting. No, you went you went hard like on on uh, news radio <sighs> and like. But that's sitcom acting's not hard, man. It's like the hardest shit is like Daniel Day Lewis, Joaquin Phoenix acting. Okay. That's hard acting. But like just playing a guy and saying a funny line. So you don't it's act anymore. Easy. No, 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 no. And like, no, there's no. no project that you would come back to. I'm act. not interested in that. It's so just like it's Scorsese okay. I love it. or it's anybody. Not a, it's not a, a negative on acting. I mean, I appreciate. I love movies. You know, I love great acting. I just don't like to do it. All it's right. just too many hours. It takes too long. It's not what I'm interested in. You know, I'm, I'm more interested in podcasts and stand up, and I don't have enough time to do anything else other than UFC commentary. So there's no project you can think. I'm just of not interested. If it was like a one day shoot, yeah, or something. It's great. Wow. Yeah. It's, I just, there's other, I, yeah, I don't want to play baseball either. It doesn't mean I hate baseball. I'm just not interested. Okay, well. Like, I don't want to do anything, like, just because it's a job. You so know, and that's you, what it would so be. So last time I came on here, I was like, or it, maybe in private, I've always told you, like, le- a little less with the UFC stuff and maybe, like, try to get into painting. And you're like, I'm not interested in painting unless, you know, I don't do anything halfway. Like, I want to. Go in, go in, right? Yeah. And, like, I can't even remember the last time I was on Howard Stern, but it was, like, 15 years ago or something. And at the either I said it on the show or after it ended, I was like, because I know he's interested in chess and photography and whatever, I just was like, he he has, like, the soul of an artist, and I was like, you should get into painting. And, and now, like, it's sad for me because I feel like he should have also got out while he was ahead. Like, whenever his contract ended, he should have stopped. He's kind of feeling to me like my dad talking at me or down to me now mm, he does a little bit of that but his watercolors that's a natural thing that happens to old men though jamie if you could find I'm probably his... going to be doing that soon oh definitely <laughs> I, I hope not though i'm going to be talking down to people soon I, you well, young and get i think i think together. you'll t- i think you'll be more accepting of being talked down to if someone looks like this yes <laughs> but his watercolors about that of course his watercolors he just like paints all the time now and they're better than most like artists. I'm sure. Like, it, like he just he's like a brilliant guy. He like went into it hard, you know. Look, that guy is responsible for all this. If it wasn't for him, if it wasn't, I mean, we got ahead of the game. Yeah, like, because of the Howard Stern show. That's very good. The, the, you and know this what? This is I'm, recent. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, so how long did he take to be able to paint like this? I think he just dedicated like ten years to it, you know, wow. and he's like. And it's probably, honestly, probably why he's not that good at broadcasting anymore. Because nah, he's, he's interested in Yeah, because he's like, and, yeah. and you could tell, like, that's, that's a really lot. Good, it's really good, right? It's really good. Like, perspective, I mean, shading, I, I offered him art lessons wow. after I did his show. I was like, hey, dude, if you ever want to, like, and he's like, I'm, I'm not even Look close to. Look at that. To, 
It's great. Like you it, might be right about that. Maybe that's like his primary focus now. So I always remember. But you know, it's, me, it's also probably like, that's why he doesn't go into town. I mean. Look at that shit, dude. He's yeah. like, and those things are tiny. Those are like with those tiny brushes. and It's really incredible. It's really incredible. But of course, it just like makes sense. Like when I, I heard that he was like really into chess, right. I was like, oh, of course he is. That makes sense. It's like whatever led him to figure out how to be the biggest broadcaster in history, that kind of energy could apply to anything. And you're seeing that with if the If you're doing course. that, yeah. then you, it's like that took away from, you know, you only have certain hours in a day. Right. And like that's not like a casual, like he's going for it. Right. Like that's like he could sell those in a gallery, right? I wonder if they're complementary though because some things I think other activities are complementary. It's like cross training. That's, like, that's no talking. Like he yeah. uses, that that's like quiet, yeah. nobody like silent. That's meditation. But, you know? but my thought was, I wonder if that stimulates the mind in a way that might actually make him better at talking to people, because oftentimes that does happen. Like when you get good at another thing, like you get better at certain aspects of other things that you do that are like correlated. So can I tell you what happened? And I would love your feedback on it. Yes. So I'm I'm kind of like I didn't realize it, but I'm kind of like that too, right? And pe- just being born and raised in Los Angeles, people go, are you interested in making movies or, or being an actor? And I, I never really put it together, but I was like, why would I want to be an actor? Like, the only roles available for Asians are Kung Fu Master, which I'm not, I'm not that good at martial arts. I am an MMA artist, mi- mixed media artist, but not that kind of artist. <laughs> and I'm not, you know, what is it? It's either like nerd, like math geek, waiter, like it's just... I'd never seen an Asian guy be the lead or something. So it just like I killed the own dream for me, you know, in the same way when I give art lessons or play with like uh, someone who's not an artist, the first thing they always throw out is like, I'm not, I I suck, I suck. And I go, why did you do that? Why did you just like do that to yourself before we even started? Yeah. And it's because we do that from the day that we can talk and walk, right? Well, we also do that to express humility out of respect for what you do. There's like, people say things like that just because they're a fan. Like if you asked me if I could draw, I'd go, I I could draw pretty good, but I kind of suck compared to you. I would say that's that's like, that's why they're doing it. They just don't want you to think like, oh, I'm a fucking artist too, bro. You know, like they don't want to come off douchey, they're fans. I I hear you, You and that's fair, but, don't you think at a young age if they see like a kid being strong or doing something athletic they go oh he's gonna be a football player and you already start getting boxed into you like, could like if i start drawing and stuff they're like oh he's gonna be an artist so in the same way i killed my own dream because i was like there's just nothing like if i in my own the movie in my head i am indiana jones i'm i'm the fucking wolverine i'm batman i'm all those things but I, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't have that role if I got it. So I just killed the dream for myself. In the same way, um, I you know I grew up in a lot of different mixed neighborhoods, and so my dad, who's a great athlete, he plays every sport, would take us to like the playground, and there'd be all these black guys playing basketball, and he you know he could sink it from anywhere in the court, and he'd give us the ball and go, now your turn. Keep in mind, I've never thrown a basketball, so it's like the second I miss. Ah, Mr. Miyagi, you know, it's like, it's not a safe place to make accidents and whatever. Now at age 46, sometimes I go with my artsy friends early in the morning, like 5.30. We all have kids now, so we go early, early in the morning before anyone's awake. And because the the threat of being made fun of is gone, I'm like, I'm pretty good at 
<laughs> I'm like, I can fucking throw a, a spiral. Like I can catch a, I'm like, oh, I'm, holy shit. And then same thing. Like when I work with people where the, no one, they know that they're not being watched or whatever. They, right. I'm like, oh shit. Like you're really good at drawing, you know? Yeah. That holds people back with everything. That holds people back. Performance anxiety holds people back in fights, holds people back with comedy, you know? So I wasn't trying, like, I'm like you, I'm like, I'm not trying to be an actor or anything, but during the, um, every time I've been on TV, it's just either as myself or like a cartoonish, exaggerated version of myself. And so my ego got a little bit inflated because it was like, thumbs up my hitchhiking show or me going looking for a dinosaur or, you know, uh, going on Bourdain's show or Dave Chang's show. It's always just me. I'm not acting. Right. And then, um, because, um, I, I was doing all these like kind of cooking, uh, Dave Chang, you know him, the chef? I don't know him personally. Yeah, I was doing this show, Ugly Delicious, with him on Netflix, and Marielle, the producer of it, is like, do you want to be a food uh, judge on like Top Chef? And I was like, fuck yeah, like I want to go eat good stuff. And it was this Jonathan Gold episode where he's the, you know, he's like the best uh, food cr critic in LA that had passed away. So this was like out of respect to him. And John Favreau was there, and I don't, and um, he's he has his own cooking show with Roy Choi, called The Chef Show on Netflix. And I had heard that he had just gotten the Star Wars gig to do The Mandalorian, and I have mixed feelings about how much uh, that that I'm a grown man and I still go to the comic book shop every Wednesday and all that stuff. But like, I love superhero stuff. Like, I love Batman, Spider Man, Superman. I love all that shit. I love all the Star Wars stuff, even. Even though most of it is all shitty now, I still love it. So I told him, uh, I, I don't know when I'm ever going to meet this guy again. So as he, you know, we went to Tacos 1988, and as he got in the car and the valet pulls up, I go, hey, good. You know, I didn't want to be the fanboy guy, but I was like, hey, congratulations on getting that Star Wars gig. And he's like, oh, yeah, thanks, Dave. And the guy's giving him his keys, and he's about to drive off. And I go, yo, put some fucking street art in Star Wars. And he's like, what? And I was like, the Alliance, the Rebel Alliance, the, you know, like every time in history, the Great Wall, Russia, Vietnam, it doesn't matter. Anytime there's a war anywhere in the world, there's, there's art, rebellious art, right? There's posters, there's graffiti of saying like, fuck the system, fuck the man, down with the, you know, whatever. I'm like, in Star Wars, you have like Nazi type characters, you have all this like fighting and there's no, there's no like graffiti. Mm. And he goes, you're right, Dave. That's a very good point. Yeah, and he goes, you're right, Dave, and you should do it. And I had just had my kid and stuff, and he's like, I'm like, dude, I'm not trying to look for work right now. I'm just saying someone should do that. And he goes, you're right, and it should be you. And I was like, fuck, man. So I get this, you know, and it was fun for me. And I went, and I was like, I went hardcore nerd. I was like, okay, Jawas are like this tall, so the graffiti would be like this. And Luke Skywalker would not be known on this side. So I'm like learning the Arabesh language, the Star Wars language. And I'm layering the graffiti so it would be accurate. Like, I'm, like, going total nerd. And and he goes, all right. And he tries to pay me. And I go, dude, I haven't gotten a paycheck in, like, 10 years. Like, I can't. I don't want to get paid. And the guy at Lucasfilm is like, you don't want to get paid? Like, you're going to get paid a lot of money for this. I go, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to fill out taxes for this shit. Like, I don't work. Like, I'm, I'm jobless. And he goes, you're the first person that's ever denied a check from Disney. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not. And then I go, put me in, coach. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, put me in, for, like, just so I could tell my friends and shit that I was in Star Wars. <laughs> and, and so eight hours of makeup, eight hours of fucking makeup. Wow. <laughs> Look at that shit. Like fucking prosthetics, you know, 
so I have like, I have one second of screen time. That's like the camera panning, you know, and I had to do make and then, you know, they put like paint speckles, like they made it look like I was the guy that actually did the graffiti and you know. Oh. <clears throat> so this is the first time I'm on TV acting, like not as me. So I go home, I write a short story about my, the backstory of my character. And I go, oh, it's too boring for me to scream in English. I'm going to learn Huttese, Java the Hutt's language. So I'm, I'm out there. I got five pages of dialogue. Like, we're at a gambling rink. We're um, betting on Gamorrean guards fighting. So it's like a fight scene. And it's like, fuck him up. Fuck him up, Chris. Like, like all that. And I'm saying it. Ah! And like, everyone's like, uh, dude, you're a fucking extra that's in here for one second. <laughs> and no one asked you to learn Jabba the Hutt's language. And, you know, but I didn't know how to not go hard, you know, with it. And then, um, so did they tell you to not do it? They didn't, they're like, I'm so I'm like, I'm the extra hanging out there. And I go, hey, just like, I know, like, you know, this is just me being me. I'm like, I'm not trying to get more airtime or whatever, but I did write a backstory of how I ended up in a game. I am a gambling addict. This is how I ended up at a Gamorrean guard gambling thing. And I give it to John Favreau and, uh, and Dave Filoni, who are like the, the showrunners. And they're like, um, yeah, we'll get right on that, Dave. Ah! <laughs> so that's hilarious. So I'm like, wow, I'm not like I went kind of all in. Like I wasn't, you know. So, anyways, it was enough. I was like, that was great. Then I get a call one day from Ali Wong and Steve Yun at the same time. They're on this new show on Netflix called uh, Beef for, from A24, and they say the same thing. They go, Dave, have you ever thought about acting? And I'm like. I'm like I'm like family dude I'm like chilling trying to figure out how to get to Africa like I'm not trying to trying to do this and, and I go what's the part and they're like well it would be filming in LA it'd be for like three months and you'd be playing an angry Korean guy and I'm like <laughs> I'm like ah well is that is that how you guys see me you know <laughs> I'm like I'm pretty I'm like pretty chill you know like in my normal life like I'll, I'll, I'll tell you all this shit later but like I kicked my parents out of the mansion I bought them because I asked them a million times not to do certain things and they didn't listen to me and I was like I'm not like making crazy requests it's just like I've learned what a boundary is and please don't cross it and they did so this is this is my real life right my real life is like my brother my my uh my family like when they fuck with me I go I'd ask you like not to do that, and if you do that, then I'm gonna have to remove. Like that's my normal life. But in this TV show, I'm like, "Fuck you!" Like I'm like waving my gun out, like, and uh, they're like, "The character's name is Isaac Cho," and I'm like, "That's not that far of a stretch, you know." And um, so I go, "Why don't you guys hire an actor, like a real actor?" And they're like, "There's all these people coming in casting, and they're like playing to be like Asian gangster tough guy, but you're just an asshole." And I'm ah. like, "I'm like, should I? Should I?" take an acting class like I don't want to like you know Steve Young's like Oscar nominated like Ali Wong like they're like no Dave just come in and be yourself I'm like fuck you guys <laughs> so I come in and I thought they were offering me the part so I come in and it's an audition and I go I'm too fucking old for this shit like I'm too fragile to like like they put didn't it make a distinction when you were having a conversation how casual was this conversation for you to come into a movie oh man or a I'm television show I mean, I, I went in and I just like, I want to do a good job. So I like, I fully like, like, I, yeah. But you didn't know it was an audition. I didn't. I thought they That's were, so I, I thought they were asking me like, can you do this? And I was like, all right, fuck it. You know, 
So I went in and I'm like sitting next to the 10 other guys that are actual actors and I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get this part, you know? And then I do my part and I'm like waiting by the phone like, <laughs> I, hope, I hope, validate me. <laughs> I hope you like me. And then uh, they call me and they're like, you got the part. I'm like, oh shit. Like I kind of like didn't want to <laughs> get it in the same way. Like, do you ever watch Survivor? Yes. Like, so a lot of young a lot of people don't even know it's still on there but it's been on there for like 30 years that's crazy how long it's been on and um yeah and then they asked me um to be on a survivor offshoot called uh take it to the edge or beyond the edge and it's like all washed up celeb i sound mean right now it was like <laughs> it was like a 70 year old ex supermodel and like okay. retired NFL players. Right. And I was the last one, so I'm like, what? Like Steve O said no, and I, ca I called Steve O. I was like, did they hit you up? He's like, yeah, I said no. And uh, and I was like, oh, I love Survivor. This ain't it, but I should do this. And uh, and and they were like, please, just. And it was during the pandemic. It was like you compete with other celebrities, and the thing with this is there's no losers. Everyone wins, and we donate all the money to charity. And I was like. And I was like, fat, it was the fattest I'd ever been. I ate so much Postmates during the thing. And my trainer or my manager was like, dude, you got to, if you're going to do this, I say don't do it. But if you're going to do it, like you're going to be with all these like washed up people, like you have to win. So then, <laughs> so then that's when I hired the, the hitting guy. That's, so I, I did actually get into pretty good shape. And then at, ultimately at the end, I said no. And then at a party, I met Jeff Probst and I said, hey, dude, I almost did this show. And he's like, oh, I'm not actually not a part of that but why don't you do the actual Survivor? And I was like, dude, I'm fucking super rich. No one's going to let me win, like get all the way to the end. He's like, we had Mike White. We had another guy that got like to the end. And, and I was like, all it would take is one of those people to recognize who I am. And then like, they're going to like vote me out immediately. He's like, dude, we think you have like the, the right thing. So I got like, I got into like the, the best shape. And, you know, it was obviously um, nice having Jeff uh, uh, bat for me, but, I mean, that interview process was insane. They have, like, therapists talking. They want to make sure that you're not going to hurt someone or kill yourself on that island, right? Oh. So it was, like, long. And they got to the very end. And then at the very end, they're like, can you do that thing that, like, you remember when Chris Rock paid, like, a million dollars to, like, delete him throwing the, oh, shit, I'm probably fucking him up right now. But you remember he threw, like, one of the worst uh, first, uh, what do you call it? A pitch? A pitch. He threw one of the worst ones, and then now you can't find it anywhere. Really? I'm sure Jamie could find it. Is that real? I heard. I had heard. I don't know if it's true, but... No one was worth than Anthony Fauci. Did you see his pitch? I'm sure it was like... It, it was, was like... <laughs> like It was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it didn't even come close to where it was supposed to go. Yeah, and it's... Imb oh. That's Sant... Okay. Oh, yeah. Did you see that, oh, Chris? <laughs> Did you see how bad that... <laughs> I'm like laughing at him. I'm like, yeah. All right. So I guess well, you can still find it. Um, yeah. It's just. Yeah. So, um, fuck. Why did I even bring that up? Um, oh, yeah. So they asked me. They, they go, you're going you're gonna to be on Survivor, but can you do that thing that the celebrities do and pay like a million dollars to like basically delete your entire imprint on the internet? <laughs> and I was like, what? And they're like, there's so much of your life that is just like not appropriate for like and yeah. I was like and you know I sat there and I was like it's enough like I, like it's enough that I almost like I know myself I'm like I would have won I would have fucking won Survivor I know myself <laughs> I know that sounds cocky but like but I Survivor's in, it, it's entirely dependent upon someone voting for you I know but I, I as 
this is the setup, right? Like, as someone, people are like, oh, how'd you get into acting? I'm like, I've been a gaslighter, lying, right. con man, thief, like, sneaky dude, like, half my life. Like, I'm set up for this. Like, I, like, you need yeah, to be Yeah, but there's a- other people like you out there. That's why I'm always fascinated by someone who thinks they're definitely going to win. Well... Look, I only have my track record. Like I'm like, I thought I would, I could have tons of power. Did Listen, it. I'm thought sure, I'm sure you have a ton of confidence, and I'm sure you, you believe that wholeheartedly that you're going to win. But there's other David Cho's out there. Maybe I, not you exactly, I'm but sh- the same kind of motherfucker. I'm sure. And if you got on a show with one of those guys, you'd be like, God damn it. Well, the one of the things that that's like the biggest benefit of meditation for me these days is, like, it's. That that driving thing of it's not enough. Like oh, okay, I did this. Now I got to do this. It's right. like it's like I'm enough. So like, and I'm I'm speaking my inner thoughts. So I'm sorry how cringy it sounds, but like, there's nothing I can't have, right? So I drive and I go look at that insane house. I'm like I could buy that. Look at that woman. I'm like I could get her. Like look at and so just. That like there's no nothing physical or experience that I can't have. Like I can have it. That's why I keep telling you that my last battle is the spiritual one. And so that's why I fly coach. That's why I sit like that's why like I just do normal shit that like could I fly private everywhere? Could I stay at the nicest hotels and nicest gyms and everything and just kind of be like that's them and this is, you know, I waited an hour at Terry Black's. I'm sure like I could have like called you and got to the front you know like i i just i'm just at peace with myself so the fact that i could have been on survivor was enough for me and i didn't want to be away from my family for that long anyways um yeah i couldn't imagine want to do one of those shows i just love the any show that's competitive that pushes you to your limit i'm sure it's fun you know i'm sure it's fun i'm just i'm the the time commitment yeah well i mean if i get voted off right away it's like fine but if you're all the way to the end that's 90 days, I think. I could see someone like you wanting to do it just for the experience, though. I mean, that's just because it's a wild, crazy thing to do. Right. And that's what that's why I would have done it, because I've been a Survivor fan my whole life. And, you know, that show is that the longest running reality game show? It, it has be. to be. Probably. It has to be unless you count like The Bachelor, other <laughs> game shows. Like regular game shows. Um, it's got to be the longest running reality game show, right? I mean, that shit was on before Fear Factor. It says it's one of. I wonder what's longer. There's a longer one? 43 seasons in 23 years. I mean, I would have killed that Fear Factor. (laughs) I would have ate the dick, the butthole, everything. That part's not that hard. The The physical stuff is hard. The physical stuff would have been hard for me. It's hard for everybody. Uh, Because it's it's like some of them. Fear Factor, just the food, I would have (laughs) killed. Just like, the food. <laughs> like, like the, we had one where uh, they had a hang onto a bar over, like, a lake. Yeah. So they're hanging underneath this bridge. Yeah. Oh, and, I and saw that one. women can hang way longer than men can. A lot of women. Wow. Yeah, because you, there's not as much you body You mean emotionally weight. or physically? But probably both. <laughs> but yeah, they, they hang on to, like, really bars, shitty relationships for They a don't have all the weight. So yeah. if you're carrying 200 pounds, but she's only carrying 120 pounds... That eighty pounds makes a big difference with your hands. I would have I would have lost on that part and then won on the baboon dick part. So I said no to Survivor Beyond Beyond the Edge, whatever that show was called, and and now I was in like pretty good shape because of the abusive Russian trainer I had, and 
and uh, and now I'm like. You still got that trainer? No, I just I couldn't I, take it anymore. It wasn't that well. It's I want community. Like I wanna like I wanna have fun. Right. <laughs> right. Like it's like I never I've never gotten runners high. I've never gotten the only time I have fun is like when I'm playing basketball or football or soccer at five thirty in the morning with the mist with my friends. Yeah. And then we can go for two three hours and like I'm sweating. I had a great workout and it was like. It was fun. Like, Dave, I'm going to pee, and when I come back, I'm going to talk to you into doing jujitsu. Hope you're right back. Okay. <sighs> oh, wow. And we're back. And we're back. Headphones changes it, right? Yeah. It locks you in. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> it locks you in. You hear it how other people hear it. Damn. Um, you would love it. Sexy voice. Thank you. You too. Thanks, man. <laughs> you would love jujitsu. You're a super competitive guy, and it's an exciting, fun thing, and it's an athletic thing. You just do it with uh, the right people, get the right trainer, uh, you know, get the right uh, group of guys. There's a lot of really good gyms where they, they really take care of people that are beginners and show them how to do it right. And I could trip anybody. Trip them? You're good yeah. at tripping? I, I, um, judo? Yeah, my dad made me take judo. And, you know, there's a, you know, if you know the history, there's a little bit of animosity. There could be between Japanese and Koreans. And my dad set me up on a full, like, Japanese judo uh, dojo in Sawtell in Los Angeles. Wow. And they did not take it easy on me. And it's like, I'm kind of like, th- I think a lot of people are like this, like, with whatever profession they're in. They learn one move really good, and then they milk the shit out of it. Yeah. And I can fucking trip the shit out of anybody. And I, <laughs> I was so good at it, and I added my twist to it. That it gave me like this insane cockiness where I thought I could beat the shit out of anyone, but I'm like, what do you do after the after the trip? Oh shit, I don't know. And so I got my ass kicked a lot <laughs> from but, tripping people. Well, I mean, during a fight, I, I would that right. would be my move, and I didn't have any other moves after. It's that. a great move if you know how to. I'm gonna trip the shit out of people. Stuff to it. Yeah, that's Sanchai, who's like one, if not the greatest, one of the greatest Muay Thai fighters of all time. He's a master at tripping. People. But you got to be wearing clothes. That's the other thing. Oh, I, I can't, to I can't, grab. Yeah, I can't trip like shirtless dudes. Oh, okay. Um, that makes big difference. That's a problem. Yeah, yeah <laughs> he can yeah. learn some underhooks and overhooks. The the problem with the that was an issue in the beginning days of uh, the UFC when a lot of guys went no gi. Yeah. When they went to their to the ground game, they were so limited because they were so accustomed to grabbing collars and grabbing pants legs and grabbing sleeves. All right, if I'm doing this shit in LA, where should I go? Um, no gi for sure, 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu. i get you set set up. Okay. If you want to do it in L.A., 100%. If you want to do the gi... What um, part of town is that? It's downtown. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah, it's downtown. Okay. That's where the headquarters is. There's like a hundred and... How many 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsus are there? I want to say there's like at least a hundred affiliates all over the world. It's like like black belt? Like it's like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you a black belt? Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's where I started. I have actually named it. Tenth Planet Jiu-Jitsu is my idea. That's yours? <laughs> yeah, it's What my does that idea. mean? Because we were talking about, uh, it was me and Eddie Bravo. And Eddie was, you know, he'd just gotten back from tapping out Hoyler Gracie in yeah. Abu Dhabi. And, you know, Eddie's the best guy ever. He's my best friend. He was, when we uh, went to Abu Dhabi and he tapped out Hoyler Gracie, it was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in my life. And he came back from that. John Jock Machado gave him his black belt off of his waist. John Jock took took his oh, black belt and put it on Eddie. 
and then Eddie started uh, this 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu, and the idea behind it was use, because in MMA, you don't have the gi. So use overhooks and underhooks, and a lot of it was derived from what he learned from John Jacques Machado, who was actually born with only one hand. Mm-hmm. John Jacques only has a thumb on his left hand. Oh, so shit. his his jujitsu couldn't be all grip based. It had to be underhooks and overhooks. So he transitioned very easily to Abu Dhabi, and he wound up winning. Abu Dhabi's the biggest nogi competition in the world. He wound up winning it and smoking people. It was incredible to watch. So Eddie comes back, and Eddie decides to start this jujitsu gym. And we're joking around about all the different names. We're probably high as fuck. Mm-hmm. I imagine we were high as fuck. And. Uh, I said, why don't you just call it 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu? Because it's like we were into Zechariah Sitchin back then. Mm-hmm. You know who Zechariah Sitchin is? The sci-fi guy? No, Zechariah Sitchin was this guy who wrote these books uh, about a planet called Nibiru. And he was a guy who supposedly, and I'm not, I'm not 100% right like into shit. this, but it's fun. I like this shit. He, um, he had transcribed uh, the Sumerian text and he believed that the history of the people from Sumer, what they were trying to relay was that human beings were the product of accelerated evolution and that beings from a planet called Nibiru, that's on a 3,600-year-old, 3,600-year uh, elliptical course towards the Earth. I've been told this is nonsense like, okay. by people who are cosmologists, okay. which another thing is nonsense, what I said the other day, with talking to Andrew Schultz, that the moon doesn't spin because so, we only see one side of the moon. We do only see one side of the moon, but it just spins perfectly with us so that we only see. Well, you also Is said, that right? You said it was tidal locked or something. Or that's maybe about what I was Hey, I'm in. I'm, I, I love nonsense. But what it, how, I definitely was wrong. Like, it does spin, right? It, excuse me, rotate. People don't like the term spin. <laughs> Someone was trying to explain this to me. I like spin class. Yes. That it, so it, it rotates at the exact same rate we do so that we always see the same side? Is that Time why it takes for the moon to rotate once on its axis is equal to the time it takes for the moon to orbit once around the earth this keeps the same side of the moon facing towards the earth that's it. throughout the month so sorry for my misinformation folks i kind of said it after i said it i was like i think this is off and then yeah hey but i wor- this this I- zechariah hitchin thing so yeah. anyway this was zechariah hitchin he wrote these books called uh, the i think it was the 12th planet was one of them and it was all about uh, these ancient sumerians and one of the weirdest things about it is like these people had these clay tablets that had like a detailed map of the solar system mm-hmm. I mean, 6,000 years ago. They carved it in clay. And they also had these giant beings with like people with tails sitting on their lap. And they had the double helix of the DNA. And he, he interpreted all this as this was some sort of an ancient recording, like where they were trying to record what had happened. Mm. And when he was going through these uh, ancient Sumerian texts, he believes that it was really all about these beings called the Anunnaki. Uh, those from heaven to earth came. And that these, these beings came from this planet that is described as Nibiru. Mm-hmm. And that they have manipulated human DNA forever. So, they, you, they so, you, are, so you are into Star Wars. <laughs> well, it's, it's I, I worship at the altar of nonsense. So everything you yeah. you said to me right now, so fun, all in. It's so I'm fun. all in on it, dude. It's like, so fun because if it really is the case, first of all, 
we know that we would do that 100 percent. absolutely we would do that we've done that to animals right we've we've done all kinds of weird shit of course made hybrids and you know and of course if people were designing like they're they're making like life forms in petri dishes dude for sure we would do that i don't know how close or far we're with whatever all this gene splicing shit i'm like dude if that's real I'm like, give it to me. Lobster claws, Let's gorilla go. body, scorpion tail. Everybody's going to be the Tiger Hulk. face. Everybody's going to look like that guy from Prometheus. Remember the guy that dies in the alien movie Prometheus? Don't you want like cheetah legs and like <laughs> yes. fucking- I want uh, wings, bitch. Uh, marsupial pouch. Where's my fucking wings? I want Fuck. eagle wings. I mean, bat wings. Around. I'll take bat sugar glider Ooh. wings. Right. You know? I, uh, webbed feet like Kevin Costner in uh, Waterworld. Water I'm, I'm all in, dude. You, you believe in aliens? Yes. I accused you of being an alien last time, right? Probably. I don't All right. remember. All right, you want to hear my hot take on comedy right now? Okay. It's like <laughs> what we fucking we're going all over the road. Let's, yeah, sorry. I like it. I. <laughs> so in the same way, in the same way, tonight, right? If you go home tonight and you do like a hardcore uh, jerk off session to porn, you could watch more porn in twenty four hours. I don't know how accurate this is, but it's pretty accurate, than all of your ancestors since the beginning of time, right? Of you, course. You can watch thousands of people fucking tonight, whereas before the internet, you yeah. know. So, so in the same way, when I was passing around um, tapes of, like, Eddie Murphy, Raw, Delirious, like, you could watch every comedy special in a week, from, like, the funniest guy in Dubai to the hottest guy in Hong Kong. You could, like just download that shit right and uh i actually want to make a quick comment on uh style for comedians like i always remember like what martin lawrence or eddie murphy was wearing like leather suit no shirt because mm. not to be dis- disrespectful but isn't the the art of comedy or the act of comedy like you're a fool or you're a court jester or your your job is to make it's funny, right? It's to make people laugh. And then you have these comedians going on stage dressing in suits or dressing like just in a hoodie or I'm like, you're a fucking clown, dude. Dress ridiculous. Look like this. But <laughs> like, entertain I me. I see what you're saying, but I don't think so. Um, I think they should dress in any way that feels funny to them. Like if I've I've gone on stage in suits many times, it's fun. We get a kick out of it. Really? Yeah. There's a photo of us all in Vegas. We did the MGM, and I said, "Dude, we should go and get Rat Pack like suits. Get some dope right. fitted suits." And so I had David August make everybody's suits. We just we just decided it would look cool. And I mean, go but have fun. But imagine. But you... it's you, but not, you, the difference is trying to be cool. The, what people interpret when you see someone who's dressed up really nice or who's wearing a lot of jewelry or is like looks very flashy They're trying to be cool. You wouldn't have fun um, doing a stand-up set dressed like an alien. No No, it's too <laughs> on the nose But All right. pe- some people are they just that's how they like that's how they feel good They feel right. good when they dress nice. They feel good All when right. they wear nice shoes They feel good when they got a nice watch on they feel good. So in feeling good. They'll go on stage They'll perform better I'm like, this profession is like, it's a clown profession, so I kind of want the outfit to match the, uh, all right. Yeah, I, if I, you I, go watch Eddie Murphy, Delirious, I think he was probably wearing like a leather jumpsuit or something. Yeah, it's amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, I'm Richard Pryor, live at the Sunset Strip, he has a, a blazer and a nice shirt on. 
you know, it's like guys have like look, yeah. at, that, look at that crazy and outfit with his with his fucking his zipper all the way down to his belly button. Yeah, I was like eight <laughs> when that when I saw that, and oh like I God. still remember it. You know, that was a classic, dude. I mean, people don't know that if if Eddie Murphy kept going, there right. would have been no doubt. There would have been no doubt who the greatest comedian ever was. Eddie if Eddie Murphy just stopped doing it. If you watch, like, Eddie Murphy was, like, a progression from, in many ways, like a pro progression from Richard Pryor. Yeah. Like, here's the new young Richard Pryor yeah. style of comedy. And he was so good, man. He was so fucking funny. I'm glad he stopped. For yeah, me, the red outfit. Interesting, for, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you took so much from Pryor. Well, but, everybody did. Everybody did. I, everybody took from Lenny Bruce. Everybody took from Pryor. I like the theme of getting out while you're ahead because, you know, there's always like, Eddie's going to be back and he's going to kill. I'm like, he already killed. He destroyed and he's a legend and just let him stay that way. This thing where like. Oh, why would you say that? This is why that's wrong. He's, he's, he's missing out on the chance to kill. You know, we I, were all hanging I, I out in think, the green room the other night and yeah. we were laughing. We were just laughing. We had a bunch of good, really fun shows. And we we're all hanging out in the green room and we were saying, like, imagine living your life and never killing. Never killing on stage. Imagine living your whole life. I'm like, that would suck. The stage just looks different because doesn't he have like 12 kids? Like, yeah. Don't you think he's like the funniest dad ever? Like, For sure. Like when but, he's making breakfast. And no, like, listen, that too. The but fuck, you can, man. But you can do that too. You could always do that too. The difference is, it's like that guy, we missed out on probably like the greatest talent that ever did stand up. He stopped doing it. Like stand up as an art form. If you go watch Delirious and then listen to his first album, which I think he was like 20 or something like that, something really young. Yeah. It's so good. Dude. So good. He was a, just, a, just a fucking amazing talent. Amazing talent. He just decided to stop doing it. So that's why I don't agree. Like if that guy just decided to start doing it again now and just started fucking around and people would f let him walk on stage with notes. They would let him. Right. You could do whatever. If they knew you were just working out on stuff, people would let him do it. Well, this and he would he would get it again. Like he did a, a speech once at what was it again for the some award show? He did this speech where he did a, a Bill Cosby impression, talked about them taking Bill Cosby's uh, awards away. Mark Twain Awards. Mark Twain Awards. Mm -hmm. It was fucking hilarious. It was like sharp. The timing was on. I was like, if that guy kept doing comedy, there would have been no doubt. He would have been number one of all time. He was incredible. As, as a fan of comedy and who's watched, like, because I have this access that everyone else has access to all these documentaries and comedies, um... And it's, this isn't just isolated to comedy, it's to anything, right? Like, everyone who I know who's a music, like, when I, when I heard uh, one by Metallica, <laughs> there's no YouTube video that shows you how to do double face. You're like, what the fuck is, you have to figure that out. But mm. now everyone who's spent a lifetime crafting whatever their art is, they're giving it away in a TikTok, right? Yeah. So when Louis C.K. has a special, he goes on like 10 podcasts and talks about where the joke comes from, how he can like how he, so it's like the magician revealing all the magic tricks. And part of that is great because like, you're, you're gonna learn more now from YouTube than you are from like school or anything. But because all the great artists, all the great magicians are giving away their wizardry, like when they do the joke now, you, you don't, you know, like the surprise is gone. You're like, oh, that's how he did. Like you saw how they made the sausage. So, hmm. and so as someone who loves comedy, this is how I feel 
and look, there's always exceptions to the rule, but most comedy, I either feel like they're talking down to me or they're talking at me or they're trying to teach me or they're, they're something like that. I'm like, funny, number one yeah. <laughs> priority, fun, like jokes, laugh. And it's like, let me teach you something. Let me show you what time it is. Let me yeah. this. And I'm like, uh, there's so many podcasts that talk about the art of comedy, the the behind the stage, behind the scenes. This is like this working out material. And like now it's just like a normal dude that doesn't know about that didn't know any of that shit, there's too much shit. So when I, I'm like, I just want the joke to just be a joke. Like, what if I knew everything about how Eddie Murphy came up with the raw act? You know, he's like, oh, this happens. Like, does it aid the comedy or does it make it like you're watching a TED talk or something, you know? Well, it depends. I mean, it depends on how funny it is. Like, there's people that I know like Shane Gillis, I'll watch his set over and over and over again because I know it's funny. Right. I know where the jokes are. I still want to see them again and again. They're so funny. Right. It doesn't, I know how the sausage is made. Right. Like it's not, no one's tricking me. I know what's going on. You're writing jokes and work, but it's when it's really well done, I just want to watch it over and over again. It's like I know how it's made and I'm still laughing really hard. I know the lines. I'm still laughing because I'm in it. Like I'm you're in, laughing out loud? Yes. Fuck, dude. I man. love comedy. I, feel... I love watching it, man. I love, I still enjoy, be, that's like a very important thing. It's like, imagine becoming is... an artist, but not liking art anymore. You don't like other people's art. That would be ridiculous. But that happens to a lot of comedians. They become comedians and they stop loving stand-up comedy as, a, as just someone in the audience. Shit, man. I think you just described me. <laughs> it's like, I don't like most art. I don't like most of my art, but yeah, I... I... Yeah, I mean, you could easily get like that with anything. You could yeah, easily like, get like that with anything. You get, I get jaded with, like, I don't watch porn anymore, but I got so jaded with porn. I got jaded with music. I get jaded with, and then I end up going back to like the classics of stuff that is nostalgic or that or yeah. whatever. And I, and I, so I, as a student of someone who's like, man, fucking life sucks. Let me laugh tonight. And I watch these things. I go, I could see, like, this is a hot take. No disrespect to Chris Rock, but like, I didn't even know Marlon Wayans was a stand-up comedian, and his take on the whole Will Smith thing was fucking hilarious. And Chris Rock's was like, I don't know, like, I, it just didn't do it. I was like, I could see what he's doing. It didn't land for me. And everything I saw on the internet was like, he just bodied Will Smith. He fucking killed him. And I'm like, did he? I don't know, man. And so... My feeling, so like I'm like I, I know what I sound like the bitter jaded guy like art sucks comedy sucks whatever, and so um, I did psychedelics recently and and uh, like I said I accused you of being an alien last time you were here, <laughs> and uh, I like the the person that makes me laugh more than anybody is when I'm fucking on psychedelics and whatever that spirit is that's talking is always like has the jokes. It has the jokes in it. And the last time, um, so this is a, re, a reoccurring topic. And once again, I got to say, this is not like, this is just something I see in my vision quest, right? So I asked the alien last time I go, are you real? Are aliens real? He's like, yeah, it's you, motherfucker. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you never wonder why Asians' dicks are so small? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, I go, what the fuck is your problem, dude? <laughs> he goes, you know what we look like, right? 
I'm like, well, yeah, the big eyes, almond eyes like this, bluish gray, uh, no dick, big head. Um, like, you know, like you've all seen that picture. It's like, you know what I look like, motherfucker. And I'm like, stop cussing at me, man. <laughs> and he goes, we came out to Africa. We saw you fucking hairless little, you know, and we fucked a human, right? That, that, this is what. This the, is what it's showing me. It's okay, like, it's, but it's not, it's not saying we fucked a human. Oh no, right? it's, it has the filthiest mouth. Really? Like I'm dying. Like I'm on the, like I'm, this is what I look like. I'm like in like. Like nature, like with a shaman, and I'm like, <laughs> really, yeah, I'm like dying, and 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 I'm and the thing is like, just non, because everyone's like, oh, I'm gonna have a spiritual experience, like, and, and it is spiritual, but it's a long trip, so it goes through like hell, heaven, jokes, and he goes, I came down to Earth, and I fucked your great 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 grandmother, and I don't have a dick. Because we don't fuck uh, with uh, genitals. We fuck. We were mind fuckers. We use our mind. That's how we have sex. And so we're beyond that. And he goes, look in the mirror, bitch. And I go, what? You ever wonder why Koreans have such big heads? And your eyes are a little bit like this. And your dicks are a little bit smaller. Because we didn't have any dicks. Humans had dicks. We melted. And so you have little dicks. And he's like, you never, you never ever thought about why you're blue? I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, you never wonder why you were born with a blue ass? And I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, I'm like, I'm like on the floor tripping. So I don't know if you know this. A lot of Asians, and and they they say they call it the Genghis Khan birth mark. Do you know this? No. Okay, it's they call it. Jamie, look up like um, blue Asian blue birth. So a lot of Asians are born with a giant blue birthmark on their ass. Really? Yeah, and they call they they say it's all the way back from something Genghis Khan did. Yeah, there it is. What? Yeah, look, go down. Mystery the Mongolian, Mongolian blue, blue spot. Wow. So I was born with a blue ass, Joe. I had a blue fucking ass. And um dude, like Avatar? Dude, straight my I have a picture of my and and this <laughs> some some of some have a small one like this and some of them have I'm sure you could find bluer ones, but then after like less than a year it just disappears. So it's called the Mongolian b- birthmark. And I'd forgot about it till the alien was talking to me. That's amazing. And yeah, there it is. See, mine looked more like that. Wow. So I was born with a blue ass. And they, so they know specifically from genetics that this goes back to the Mongol days. Well, I'm telling you who who gave me the answer. The the the, the, yeah. the, the, the altar that I worship at nonsense. So the alien goes, <laughs> "You think you just had a blue ass out of nowhere? You're a fucking alien, bitch!" And I'm like, "What?" And he goes, "I gave you just enough dick." To like, you know, like you don't need a giant dick. It's good. You think you want a giant dick. It's going to get in the way. I give you a perfect dick. You fuck (laughs) people with your mind and you're fucking, you're you're not yellow. You're fucking blue. And I was like, oh, it's not a Mongolian birthmark. He's like, Mongol, you're fucking alien birthmark. And I was like, you know, I'm drooling. I'm like, (laughs) like, and look, I did a horrible job. His delivery is way more vulgar. It sounds more like uh, Eddie Murphy in his prom. He's like cussing, and I'm like, I don't know. It's like in my mind, I'm like, this is not what I was expecting out of this spiritual journey. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, you never heard of the Mongolian birthmark? I don't know the exact no, story, but it's something with like Genghis Khan or someone did so much fucking 
that Genghis Khan apparently did a lot of fucking. Yeah, like some large percentage of the population that that did something to make that birthmark, but it was clarified to me by that wouldn't really happen. (laughs) So that is actually that story. Okay, one Mongolian spot is present on over 90% of Native Americans and people of African descent, over 80% of Asians, over 70% of Hispanics, and just under 10% of fair-skinned infants. Huh. You didn't have a blue ass? I don't think so. Nobody told me. Maybe they just kept it from me. My kids had blue asses. Yeah, some Mexicans That story have he's saying is th- in your psychedelic trip is th- literally the same story that's in the Sumerian text. That's why when that's what's nuts. that's why when you say uh, uh, wait in the Sumerian text they say Asians are spawns of no 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 or humans, humans. oh that humans that what happened was these advanced beings came down and they manipulated our DNA and added their DNA but mm-hmm. by the way I have to say this this is this guy Zechariah Sitchin and it's, he's very controversial he's a, he's a like a legit scholar rock solid credentials but. He's also like a lot, very controversial. Like there's a, I think there's a whole website called SitchinIsWrong.com. Joe, I, you're talking to some, if that's for your audience, I already believe you're an alien, so you don't need to, like, no, I'm, I'm just tell, I'm just I'm clarifying the- to people that this is not, like, I think this theory is fun as fuck and I love it, but I don't know if it's true. Like people ask me, like, like I think one of the most taboo things to talk about today is like, you could talk about fucking or drug, you know, you could talk about anything, but. When anyone goes, hey, uh, where's your spirituality at? Or oh, what? Boy. It's, it's, it's like conversation stopper, well, right? Well, you know why? Because anybody who asks it like that is annoying. <laughs> but like... Where's your spirituality at okay, right now, right. David? David. That's like a... That's it's in my blue asshole Someone's right henpecking you. But like, what are you doing, David? But like, I've never asked you that. Like, where is... Like, what is your thoughts on <laughs> you God? Just... I did it. I went there. Like... <laughs> well... Considering we're having a podcast, it's very different than someone just bringing it out of nowhere. Um, I am not uh, an atheist. I've never been an atheist. Mm. I've never been someone who says, I know there is no God. Right. What I have been some, uh, someone who has said that a lot of the stories that are in a lot of the religions clearly have the hand of man on them. There's clearly some description that implies things that are okay to do because of the cultural values of people that lived 3,000, 4,000 years ago, whenever they wrote this stuff, mm-hmm. clearly. It condones slavery, it can, treats women as second-class citizens. There's a lot in these words that clearly have the hand of man. But there's also some inherent deep wisdom and a moral scaffolding that would make the world a better place, and almost all of them. There's something there that gives people structure and discipline and connects them in a community of like-minded people who believe the same thing. I think there's a great value to that that's underappreciated by people who call themselves atheists. Mm. I think there's also a great value in if you truly believe you're living your life and you're going to be a good person, you're going to go to heaven, you will, you will have that energy through your life. Mm. You will be carrying the belief and it will actually aid you in your life. And that if you think this is pointless, it's all, it's all just existential angst and it's all chaos, like you live better if you believe that this is all for a better purpose and this is all a part of a, of a God's plan. That might be true, it might not be true, but you live better if you think that way. 
Mm. You can do that and still look at facts and reality, and you you don't have to be ideologically captured by some some writing that was written down thousands of years ago. Right. But you are better off if you believe that this is all for a greater good. Love. Love. Yeah, and that's love. probably what God really is. God is love. And love the what love is as it's at its most pure is a, a force of creation, a force of like adhesion and bonding of human beings. And we know the opposite. The opposite is what's happening right now in Ukraine. That's the opposite. The opposite is that's hate. Yeah, that's murder and fucking whole scale murder. It's wild chaos. I mean, war is hell. It's the worst thing. The worst thing that people do. And that exists at the same time on earth with some of the best people enjoying some of the best times together. It's, it's, there's, you, while you are with your family and you are with your friends and people come over your house and you have dinner and you're laughing and having a good time, on some part of the world, someone's drinking out of a puddle. Mm. You know? Yeah. In some part of the world, someone's in an apartment building that just got hit by a missile. Yeah. You know, it's all happening simultaneously, but we only have the ability to understand what's happening to us. And we we kind of think these things, we know these things are out there because we watch TV and we watch the news, but we don't believe it. It's it's like, it's not even a, like, there's people that are calling for, like, war in Ukraine. Like, you don't even know what you're saying. Like, you don't even know what that feeling is. If, if you knew, that would be the last thing you would ever want to happen. I fucking love you, man. Like, I love you. I love you, too. And you, too, Jamie, you fucker. Like, I'm not going to leave you out of this. And, and wow. Like, I, and part, like, the, part of the thing, I love what you just said right now. And part of, like, the way I pray is creativity. Like, when I make something, that's, like, that's how I interpret prayer. And what you talked about is, like, this belief. It's, it's faith, right? Yeah. So, um, and part of why a lot of things I've done in my life, people have accused me of being suicidal, right? They're like, why are you going into MS-13 territory? Why are you going to the Congo? Why are you going to Bosnia? Why are you going to places that are in conflict? And part of that is like, I like it when it hurts. And I, it's just like, I'm, I'm attracted towards darkness, or I was. And, and part of that is just, I don't believe. Like I watch the news, I watch something and someone tells me, I've been to every state in America, right? Like most people haven't, most Americans haven't done that. And is there unrest? Is there racism? Is there, yes, there is. But when you try to say everything, like try to make it binary and everything in like black or white, like I've had an amazing time in Texas so far, right? And all these places that are considered racist, yeah, I've experienced that also. But even when... I go to like Atlanta at a black mall. I went to the wrong mall and everyone's yelling shit to me. If I could find one kid and be like, hey, why are you calling me that shit? And then I bond with him. In that moment, I'm just with him. I've used love. He's, and he didn't run away from me. Like him and all of his friends were doing this. They were like, and I was like, this is like 20 years ago. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, fuck, dude. And they were yelling. They're literally yelling. You came to the wrong mall, bro. Wrong, (laughs) you know? And I was like, oh, shit. And I felt threatened. I felt like, oh, shit, like something's about to happen. And uh, this is 1999 or something, you know? And and so 
I, you know, because of the religious abuse that I was raised in. And, and it's crazy because most of the mental health institutions or rehabs I've been into, you've heard about sexual abuse, physical abuse. You've heard of those abuses. I had never heard the word sexual abuse or religious abuse. And I'm like, it's disproportionately a lot of Orthodox Catholics, Orthodox Jews, hardcore Muslims, hardcore Christians, hardcore Mormons. Like, it's just that that like organized like you have to be like this or else you're yes. bad creates so much shame and 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 i'm like fuck god fuck religion fuck all. but that's like now i've gone the other side towards hate and i'm like i i'm a loving person like i was telling you like it's not an accident that you're like the biggest podcast in the world you're such a sweet loving you don't like do get in, involved with all this other bullshit podcast drama that all of these other, like you're just loving your love you're lovable you are love and so I always go, I, I tend to be a hater that I'm always pushed to like talk shit or be bitter and fuck everything sucks. And I, I need love to drag me back. And so part of that is, you know, this is part of uh, 12 step stuff, like higher power and whatever is we like having a team, right? I'm a Christian. Our symbol yeah, is this. I have sure. a star. Ours has 20 arms and swords. Like everyone wants to have a logo and a t-shirt and mm -hmm. my church is this. Mars are round. Ours are like gothic, you know, and that that's good, right? Yeah. It's good to, to have that. But, um, I, I, I was so jaded and I was so bitter. And the guy that was helping me through all my darkness was like, kind of don't care. <laughs> I kind of don't care if you believe in God or not. It's just like, like a fake it till you make it. He's like, I just want you to believe and have the faith. Whether you believe it or not is irrelevant. I was like, what? He's like, it's just weird talking to you because no one believed you'd be the wealthiest artist in the world except for you. That's insane amount of faith that got you there. No one thought you would do this in your life. No one thought, and you, you were the only one, maybe your mom, but because you believed it, it happened. So it doesn't matter if... 10th planet is ludicrous or the science, like even science is a religion. How many times has science been wrong, right? Well, science is data. Right. It's scientists and their interpretations. It's incorrect or biased. That's so, the problem. And calling it the science when people say that, trust the science. Right. And the scientist is the process. Priest. It's a scientific process. So I, 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 I subscribe to what you said of like, I, that's, you know, sorry to sound like a douche again, but that's where I find my spirituality is like, community it's yeah. it's what they call uh i just learned this um third space right like third fir space. first space and second space is like uh your house is like first space i think second space is like work where you work and then third space is what people need to like be social like whether that's a cafe church the gym mm. and third space is the internet now right that's just where everyone congregates and like i don't i do all these limitations on my phone and technology so it keeps me off social media. It keeps me off all these things. I have a child safe, like, you know, that's because of my addictive nature. But that's where people are, so that's where I have to meet them. So, um, yeah, the way – and, you know, I'm still searching. Like, I'm not perfect, obviously, but I try to do – anytime something happens and I feel myself going to the dark side, fuck this motherfucker, this, whatever, it's like, how can I meet you with love? And then I feel better. It's sel yeah. selfishly, I feel better. Yeah, it's exactly. like that's very important because because so much of so much of Korean identity is revenge, right? If you watch Old Boy or any Korean show on Netflix, it's all about 
you tripped me when I was five, and now I've spent my entire <laughs> life figuring it out. You know, right? Right. Um, and so to bring it back to the acting thing, um, I get this role, right? I play this asshole, like kind of lovable asshole. I just added that. Um, and then I show up to the set and again, I write a, like a short story back page, like uh, thing I'm doing improv. I have all these and they're like, Dave, can you just do the lines so that other people can go home? Like no one's asking you to write a, another like, and I'm like, I don't know how to not do that. Right. So my character is always yelling at my cousin. Doesn't my br- someone know you that works with them that could like talk and, and go, hey, you got to let Dave know that you can't invent any new stuff <laughs> and put it in the movie. Yeah. I mean, look, it was. I was having, like, in the same way that as a comic book fan, like, I feel like I'm, like, Aquaman's a douchebag. The Guardians of the Galaxy are, like, D-list, four for a dollar bin. The fact that we live in a world now that, like, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Iron Man, Iron Man's, like, the worst, no one reads Iron Man. Like, these are, like... I used to read Iron Man. You bought issues of yes. Iron Man. Yes, So you know the whole Tony Stark... Fuck yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're, uni- you're, the, you're a unique person. No! Dude, it was if very you're, popular. If Iron Man was super popular when I was a kid. Or you're a little bit older than me, but like most kids, it was Batman, X Men, Superman. Like the yeah, the, you but know. Iron Man was the shit, dude. Iron Man was very popular. The Hulk was very popular. I love the Hulk. Spider Man was very popular. I was a Marvel guy. I really didn't get into DC Comics that much. I fucking love all of it. I love all that shit. But I just never followed them. It's not that I don't like them. I never followed them, but uh, Marvel had a more Marvel. Marvel had a better buy-in, like the the awkward teenager that gets the super. You know, like mm-hmm. yeah. like not that many people are born billionaires that become bad. You know, like I that's, think DC was more like I know they they're all really old, right? But I think DC it reminds me of like a different like a World War Two mentality or something, like the origin stories for these people. Yeah. It was it was more clunky. Came from another planet, you know. Like, Hulk, shut Hulk, the fuck up. Hulk's a normal right. dude, right? And, and normal like, scientist. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry, right? Everyone could buy yeah. in on that, right? Like everybody. I'm, loves just, him. I'm just a nerd, but yeah. don't push me. This right? guy gets bit by a radioactive spider. I'm a nerdy teenager. His, and now, his his uncle who took care of him gets killed because he callously lets these bad guys run past him. And nobody knows this, but he could actually shoot the webs out of his dick and I didn't and his that. asshole. Yeah. Um, wow. I mean, that's where spiders shoot webs out of, right? The web thing is so ridiculous. Like, he <laughs> invented this shit that's better than anything anyone's ever figured out ever. Like, it, he, he could be a fucking super billionaire just from that web. Right, exactly. The idea that we buy into the fact that this fucking college kid invented this stuff that shoots from his wrist in a never-ending supply. He's shooting and these allows him to thick, grab buildings yeah. and swing. He's shooting these thick ropes out of his wrist, and I'm like, bro, I, if... If I I would buy that all that shit, you know, like and just But where's it coming from? Where's all that shit coming from? That's the problem. There's no storage tank on him. He's right. just shooting these webs and they're just flying off of him from what? Are you making that stuff? Well the easy like, what is that? the easy thing is always like he's a genius, the smartest guy on the planet, you know. Uh, but re- if he only invented the web, that guy could invent anything. He could make antimatter devices. My point is that smart? My point was the shittiest comics that I didn't read are these billion dollar like Ant Man. Who the fuck ever read Ant-Man, you know? So in that same kind of feeling... It's just a run out of, like, superhero 
like narratives. There's, there, uh, yeah, that might be true. I think it is. And you know what else? I hate to say this. I got to pee again. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, Sorry. go, go do it. I'm go super do it. hydrated. Go do it, man. Whew. So, yeah, I, 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 um, I just found Jamie's was Morbius. Eye, Morbius was cool. <laughs> I used to like, uh, Blade. Blade was my favorite. Oh, Blade's the best. Blade was the shit. He had teak knives. There were knives made out of teak wood so he could kill vampires. He came out of his mom and just fucking killed her. Like he was a bad motherfucker. Blade was dope, and Wesley Snipes is that movie. The beginning scene of that movie, where uh, Tracy Lords leads that guy into the middle of this disco, mm-hmm. and all these vampires are dancing. The and blood he doesn't disco. know they're vampires. Yeah, and then the blood starts spraying. Yeah, and it's a fucking amazing scene. It's one of the best scenes in any horror movie ever. It's so cool too. And just the imagery when this guy goes through this and he starts recognizing that it looks like these are human bodies that are hanging from there. I love that you n- knew that. Oh my God. Tracy fucking, Lords. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know all the act. <laughs> yeah, this was um, an amazing scene. And then Blade shows up and kills all the vampires. It's fucking incredible, man. It's such a good scene. Like to this day, I like, I mean, even if I don't watch the whole movie, I'll throw this scene on. Because it's when the guy realizes that there's blood coming yeah. out of the ceiling and then he looks up there we and go. he sees the faucet. Blood bath. And it just starts spraying. And the way it's shot is like almost like stop action because you're whoever the director was, they did an amazing job of like setting it up where it's like the chaos of the moment it's expressed in the way he filmed it. Yeah. Like, like for the guy who's getting sprayed with blood, surrounded by vampires and freaking out, like everything's chaotic. He's seeing them dance around their fangs and, and they're they all looking at him. That's a lot of blood. That's a lot of the cherry juice or whatever they use. Yeah, whatever Syrup. the fuck they use. It's, everybody's covered. And so he's trying to get out of there. They're beating the fuck out of him. Yeah. And when they, after they beat the fuck out of him, Blade shows up. <laughs> yeah, Disney owns Marvel. <laughs> like they're now. ready to kill I him. Don't, I don't think they're gonna make something this blood drenched for kids. <laughs> I wonder if they're done now with this. There's a well, new Blade that's yeah. coming out. Yeah, I heard. Right. I wonder if it's gonna be like this though. Hire me as the writer, and it'll be good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this fucking scene's amazing though. This is the first time you see Blade. They're all freaking out. The Daywalker. <laughs> And they all freak out as soon as they see him. There this fucking scene's amazing, man. Oh, oh it ended. <laughs> oh, you teased me. <clears throat> but I, I just just talking about this. I when I'm like reflecting on like what I like, my superheroes are the the Hulk, Spider-Man. Like you did something to me. And now you're gonna fucking learn what time it is. Like, right. you, like, and yours, you tend more towards werewolves, blood, vampire. <laughs> no, like you like the monsters, right? I do. You're more yeah. of a monster guy. Um, but yeah, my point with all of it was just the fact that, as a crazy, like, I'm a super nerd. Like, I fucking buy original comic art. Like, as someone like that, it's kind of surreal to be in a world where these, like, someone's mom knows who Tony Stark is, right? Like, Uh, only nerds would know that, right? Right, back in the day. So I'm having a very similar feeling on set because I've done artwork or other... I've been on movie sets before, and I've just... I've never been in a scenario where 95% of beef, the Netflix show I did, the cast is Asian. So, like... Like, uh... At the height of my gambling, right, when I'm being flown to Macau, when I'm flying and taking every, like, penthouse suite in Vegas, 
that was a surreal like here's a bus full of hookers here's every drug you want even though you don't do drugs here's a like everyone's calling me sir mr cho like that doesn't happen anywhere else in my life except for there and then i arrive on set and like there's a giant netflix fruit basket and like i like i like open my water take a sip and then like a white guy comes and goes let me get you a fresh water sir and i'm like dude it's it's cool bro and i'm like oh this is why hollywood people are fucked up cuz this is not natural right this is fucking weird dude like yes. people are licking my like and like i like it i'm like this feels good but i the i'm thing, glad you said that well the thing i said before about like Asians, I've only seen them as kung fu masters or waiters or nerds. I'm like, oh, I get to play like a real person and I don't have to like code switch or I don't have to pretend to be this kind of Asian or that kind of, Like, I'm just me. Right, but the weirdness um, is the way they treat the stars. Oh, dude, I'm it's like... It's bizarre. I was like, bro, I'll get my own food, you know? Yeah. Like, I get to my room and they're like... And it's like, if if acting or Hollywood is a religion or a cult like it's just everyone there is buying in right like the lighting guy wants to be well that's like if you're an atheist and you're really into acting right you know there's certain people that are your gods they're your right. deities so yeah I I went as someone who look I don't know how you perceive me but I perceive myself over the last all the spiritual work all the work I've been doing all the insane fucking rehabs and mental institutions I, I'm a fucking chill dude. That's how I, I feel. But I didn't, that wasn't my role for this character. I had to go back to old 19. Old Dave. Yeah. And so now I'm at with my family at a deli getting a Reuben. And, you know, my wife's like, that was a very aggressive Reuben order. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, over here. Like, and I kind of don't like how I feel. And I'm like, you know, I'm talking to Allie. I'm talking to Steve. I'm like, I don't know how you guys do this and not lose your mind. And they're like, Dave, you don't have to go method. And I go, I don't know how to not do that. Like, I don't have that button. So you're doing meth. So you're ordering food in character? I wasn't trying to. It just was, <laughs> they call it leaking. I was leaking like fucking crazy. Oh, okay. Like, I was yeah. le like that guy because I'm like. Yeah, don't do that. And, and, and the thing is, like, if you're, like, I play all, I act all day with my kid, right? I'm fucking, I'm playing and and then it's fun. It's the, the objective right. is fun. But if I'm waving a gun at someone's face and I'm like, fuck you. And that, and like Ali Wong's my friend. I don't want to fucking yell at my friend. And the guy says, cut again. Fuck you. Cut. Fuck you. Cut. At the end of the day, like I've just been screaming, fuck you, waving a gun. And like maybe if I grew up as an actor, but like I go, that doesn't feel good. Like my, mm. that doesn't feel good to me. And, and so I like kind of like lost my mind playing this character. And so I, checked myself into a mental hospital for a oh week. Oh my god, Dave. I was like like why not? I called this place that I used to go to like So this playing this character like I lost hit, my fucking mind. switch in your I lost my mind. Really? Yeah. I lost my mind and then I went to the uh, Mississippi. I go there all the time and Can I can I talk to you about yes. this? The, yes. Just the path of the mind, yeah. right? How mu how flexible is the idea of uh losing your mind? Like, is it when you're when you're at a, at a good state of mind, you're in a good state of mind and something comes along, like how flexible is your mentality? Does it immediately go into this new groove? Like if you decide you're going to be in character, you're going to play this asshole. Does that become you? Like and how much of who we are, or who we assume we are 
is just a program that we're running so that the weirdness of life doesn't give us unbearable anxiety. So we're running a program, and that program is most of your past uh, thoughts and experiences and the things you've learned and done, and then interface that with the rest of the world. But if you decide, because you're, you're playing in a role, that you're a fucking asshole, like I wonder how much of what we are is choices where for you it was just acting because you wanted to be an, an asshole for a movie, but for other people, like how much of who you are is because of the the way people behave around you, and how like how vulnerable are we mm. to other people's behavior and thinking and just like let's go back to the Hadza where you were talking about these people all eating those brains mm -hmm. for them that is completely normal yeah it's completely normal it's highlight so it doesn't right so it doesn't feel bizarre at all. Yeah. for you culturally you've never experienced this before you're there it's wild you're like holy shit this is crazy to see that all of it's crazy to see but isn't that that seems to be the fucking case with everything I think I think the human mind like what we accept and what becomes normal to us, I think it's very malleable, really malleable. Oh, I mean, absolutely. And as someone, if you're a really good human or artist that that you have walls down and you're like yeah. like a conduit, then then things affect you. If if I'm like jaded and my walls are like this, then I could watch a snuff film or like have the worst shit happen and it's just like whatever I could see a guy dying on the street yeah, but, but don't you think if you did if you had that way of thinking you couldn't be creative it's almost like that mm. way of thinking like you're putting up a barrier to sensitivity which is like so important for any kind of art you have to be sensitive well look part of just existing part of existing for me like people when I think of like how people are sensitive to uh, racism right now, right? Like, I and they're like, I can't believe they made a racist joke or whatever. And I'm like, I grew up in the 80s, the 70s, and the coolest kid at school would be like, David Chow, how do you say your name? Chow Ching Chong? And guess what I would do? D if it was like a Disney movie, I would like stand up, hey, you can't talk to me. That's not what happened. I laughed. I was like, I don't know what to do in this moment, and I don't want to like go against every everyone else is laughing, so I guess I'll just laugh. Yeah, yeah, and I'll just laugh. So I'm like laughing at a racist joke in the 80s against me because that's the mask or whatever. And I think what you're asking, it depends how open you are, how sensitive you are to other people's energies, and also just quite frankly, if you're an addict or not, if you have that but addict. You, but you become another person while playing a person. Like this is a narrative in movies where a pandemic hits and then a person becomes a savage. Right. Right. Like that is in uh, The Last of Us. Right. That uh, the gentleman, Pascal, what is his Pedro name? Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal. Amazing in that show. Yeah. But uh, that's the role. He he was a normal guy. Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're, spoiler alert, he's not a normal guy by the right. end of the show. Right. That this, th that human beings can become other things. Very quickly. <laughs> Very quickly. That's what's so weird about I mean, you behavior. saw, you, you were in, like, were you in LA when the pandemic started? Oh, yeah. 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 Like, you go from normal to about to kill someone over toilet paper. Yeah. That that what was that a week into the pandemic? It wasn't very long. Yeah, and it's... there was no real disruptions. No real disruptions. Disruptions to work. But what I'm saying is like food was available. Right. And the the power was on. And right. you know the what 
got crazy during that time was even under the best case scenario of a total disruption of the the, the country. Because right. the best case scenario would be it's not for a war. It's not, you know, like the power doesn't go out. Like there's a lot of scenarios that could you could see way worse than yeah. what the pandemic was. But look at the fucking damage it did. Right. Look at the damage it did to people psychologically. Look at the damage it did to the to businesses, to small businesses. Look at the damage it did to information. Look at the damage it did to, you know, propaganda and the way people think about the news. I mean, look at it, the damage it did to the idea that the people that are running the country have a, a good sense of how to take care of things like this. I mean, fear. I mean, fear, real or imagined, is. I mean, there's a quote uh, about it where like most m like most of these things that you're scared of will almost right. never happen. Right. But so you live a life like wound up guns. You're like ready for the worst thing and it, it'll never happen. But that's before the pandemic. Right. See, there was people that were like that already. Yes. And then the pandemic came along and cracked them. Yeah. And there's a I, lot I was of looking at like I that. was looking at tanks on Craigslist. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna buy a tank, dude. There's a lot of people. That I was looking cracked. at the, I was looking at that helicopter where a tank could go into. Oh, I was looking on websites for that. Well, that's why we we freak out at things like The Walking Dead because we know that. Well, it's if things go south, people will revert to their worst instincts quickly when there's no internet and there's no way to share information and communicate that someone did this and this happened. And if there's no, like, like you could take a film of someone murdering someone and then they could catch that guy from the news. I mean, that happens now, right? Right. But back, if you're in Walking Dead times, there's no power. Right. Right? So no one, is, no one knows what the fuck is going on, and the only way people organize, they get together and they yell. Some guy yells at a group of people, and then they, they do barbaric shit. And this is what the the nature of human beings has been for many thousands of years. That's yes. why it's so easy for us to like snap back into us. Right. And culturally, there's a reason why um, we like superheroes because we want someone to come save us. Exactly. Culturally, there's a reason why zombies are fucking so big right now. Mm -hmm. Right. Zombies weren't this big back. You know, it's because when you see a new movie, new sci-fi, it's always post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic. <laughs> it's on our minds. It's, it's on like, our soul. It's like, we're going to fuck yeah, this it's, up. Yeah, it's heading this yeah. way. And it's, look, as someone who was raised in the church, like, the Apocalypse, uh, Revelations is the shortest book in the Bible. So you're like, you go, oh, it's like just like 20 pages or whatever. The What happens in those 20 pages, like, spans thousands of years. So we, a lot of people discuss that we're in that now. Right. Yeah. So people go, oh, AI like this and that. And, you know, whatever. I'm sure you have way smarter people to talk about that. But I go back to. That's one by Metallica. Mm -hmm. And if we can go back to early 2000s. That's Lars Ulrich from Metallica um, trying to sue or all of Metallica trying to sue Napster. Sean Parker at Napster. Yeah. And it's like genie's out of the bag, bro. Like, you can't control that. Like, that's... I think they didn't have any idea what was coming, nor how could they, and, right? And so we really thought that that was just... It's it's so difficult to see where, like, one invention goes. Exactly. If it was just Napster and that right. was it for the end of time, right. yeah, you but, could but, maybe control but that. But it's the thing that never loses, technology. Yeah, There's no loses. stopping it, right? It never loses. And it's like, what do you... And so that's actually when the first time Sean Parker reached out to me and he's like, bro, 
I want to get a painting for you, from you, but I'm being sued for a trillion dollars right now from like every oh single and you know whatever they got out of that. But I'm saying it had a, the genie was out of the box, the Pandora's box, whatever, and and so that was back then, right? Right. And now we live in an age where most kids don't pay. Like if I wanted to listen to music, I had to take a risk and buy something at Tower Records, get a job, and then shit, man, the single was good and the rest of that, you know, like you had to risk. But now because we have access to all the porn, all the documentaries, all the comedy, all the music, it's like in that way, everyone's wealthy, right? Anybody can have access to anything um, or find a way to steal it or have it with very low risk of getting caught, right? Right. And so people don't understand. We have what's out AI for the consumers, right? But some of the people we know, like the shit is bonkers, dude. And I talked to Jamie about it, like. You will never fucking be able to believe, like, I could come home and be like, AI suck my dick, AI, uh, I want to listen to Carpenters, but I want Ice-T to sing it. AI, uh, my dad was like really shitty to me, um, put him up, hologram, have him say all the, sh- the apologies I wish he said, but he never said. AI, uh, Ozarks, but all Asian, change the ending to The Sopranos, deep fake, th- like, that's coming, yeah. that's yeah. here, yeah. it's not perfect yet. It's and getting s- real close. And so, what does it do? It brings the temperature of the fear up uh-huh. right like I, a lot of my friends have lost their jobs a lot if i if i was still trying to sell art i'd be fucking out of a job like ai paints way better than i do um and so what did metallica have to do tour right acdc stones like 90 years old still fucking touring and so it's like what we were saying again that's here now you could sign papers and shit to try to make that go away that's a fucking insane monster that's here now. And of course we would love it if it was best case scenario and it was here to aid humanity and do all that. But we've seen enough Terminators. Like the things, it's a human that made that, right? So it's going to probably be really racist. It's probably going to be super sexist. It's probably going to be like psychopathic. It's probably going to, and so I go, I could go to fear. I could go to hate. Or I could go to acceptance, adapting, and our religion of love. And so whatever that, whatever, like that's a gift. If you're like working at a job and you're like, wow, AI is a self-driving car now. I'm out of my truck driving job. Or I've learned my whole life how to like edit sound and now that's done. Like all that, it's almost like freeing you to be the whatever is coming next. And so whatever your version of touring is, right? which is the third space again. It's yeah. human connection. Like you can't make, if you're, if, forget Metallica, if you're like a new band, most people aren't buying CDs, tapes, records. So you have to sell merch. You have to right. go out. You have to perform. You have to meet people. Right. You have to have connection. So whatever that version of that is for you as a human, no more like, it, like you're going to have to move away from technology and more to human connection. Okay. That's my belief on it because it's fucking scary as shit. And I could choose to live in fear and be scared or like, like, like people are losing their livelihoods that they spent yeah. their life on. Like, yeah, that, that aspect of it is terrifying because people aren't stable financially enough to deal with the entire industry going away. I fired like, my lawyer. Like I asked chat GPT, like my lawyer costs 600 bucks every time I pick up the phone. And I was like, as a test. Like, here's the questions. And, you know, I always got to do 10 minutes of small talk. I'm like, that's a hundred bucks right there. (laughs) You know, I'm like, I don't care about your kids, dude. Just tell me, tell me what I want to know. 
So he gave me a very similar answer than the chat GPT. I'm like, that's the phone call I'm never going to have to make again. Wow. Boom, done. The guy that does like, you know, but now that guy's free to pursue the next chapter of his life, you know, whatever. If if something's available, the problem is what what, you know, people like Andrew Yang were worried about was this mass disruption of our economy where automated things and things done through AI remove most jobs. And so we have this abundance of wealth that's available to things like the war in Ukraine and some other stuff. Like we need to consider something like a universal basic income. Yeah. So, and it's not saying that just for people to never work, you don't have to work, we'll just give you money. That's not what it is. It's right. like you have to be, figure out a way to give people enough money to survive if everything goes away because everything might go away. Right. That's, that's where it's sketchy. And what's really sketchy is what we might be doing is making a new life form. And I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I think we're um, uh, an electronic caterpillar that's going to become a butterfly. I think we're not going to be people anymore. And I think there's going to be a transitionary period where people are cyborgs and they integrate with technology and it becomes mandatory because we, but it, because everybody does it just like everybody has a smartphone. And then it's going to get to a point in time where they're going to be able to figure out how to either replicate consciousness or transport consciousness. Like this is the Ray Kurzweil stuff. Ray Kurzweil believes that you're going to be able to download whatever consciousness is into some new form of, you know, whatever it is, quantum computing or it's something. It's coming. It may it's, be coming. It may come. be coming. And this is what I think it does. I think it makes a better version of it, and that makes a better version of that. And I think it happens really quickly. And I think it basically becomes God. Right. I think it basically becomes a creative force of the universe. Right. If, you, if something just becomes infinitely more capable of manipulating its environment and change, Right, like mm. a human being. What we have done, the most devastating thing we've ever done by far, is create atomic bombs, right? We've created a device that have dropped upon a city, it vaporizes everything. It's the most fucking insane thing pe people have ever done. But we did it, and we, we can't put that genie back in the bottle. Right, it exists. That, that's a thing that exists. And if, if we could do that, what could something that is as far evolved past us as we are from lower primates. What if there's some new version of humans that's like a cyborg that integrates with technology, like integrates with some insane computer bank that has the ability to manipulate everything, manipulate gravity, create portals, travel through space instantaneously to, to grasp ideas that are beyond our comprehension right now. It's not if you keep going a thousand years, it's not like we're going to figure everything out and just be stuck. No, they're going to each invention, each technological innovation will compound upon the other ones. And we're going to get to some place that's impossible for us to imagine today. Oh, impossible. yeah. Impossible. Impossible. Just like shit's about to get weird. Yeah. <laughs> like like when, fucking weird. When we were kids, like there was a there was a commercial that I just saw somebody put up on uh, Twitter. It was hilarious. It was a device that people had back in the day where it was like Velcro on your phone and you would slap this thing that's like a headset and you would put it on so that you could talk on your home phone while you're like doing the dishes and shit. And I was like, they thought that was the shit. Like it looks so dumb. But that's what I'm saying. Like my dad is old, but like sometimes I, I work with like older people and like say you're 90 years old, right? So your yeah. life is candlelight. <laughs> 
no electricity. Like, if you're like almost 100 years old, that was your reality, right? Yes. You lived in a time pre-internet, pre-cars, horse and buggy, mm-hmm. candlelight, and if you're still alive today, they're in that, like, there's a fucking world now where there's Postmates, Uber, fucking everything, like, self-driving cars. Like, this world looks fucking insane to those people, It right? looks fucking insane right And so now. that's what... That's the thing. <laughs> this is the thing. Like, the Velcro, she slaps it. Look at the headset. One size fits all. Look at this. Stays firmly in place. Look at this shit. Oh, I gotta get that. Bro, this is amazing. This guy's washing his slick 1984 car. 1993. Wow, look at that. 1993 is not that long ago. Not man. that long ago. Not that man. long ago. And that was like the that coolest like, shit that yeah. anybody figured out. That looks like 70s or something. Bro, some shit. I used to have a headset. I used to have a wireless phone, like a wireless phone that would clip to my belt with a belt buckle. Like this big? And then I, I had like a, a headset that was one of those office headsets that like a secretary would use. And I would walk around my house, talk on the phone. I thought I was the shit, bro. Wow. I got a headphone. You were the I shit. I got my, my, my wireless <laughs> phone is on my belt. I'm reading a book right now. I'm listening to a book I should okay. sell. It's called Dissolving Illusions. It's all about disease. And uh, it's about the early days of uh, the 20th century and how horrific the conditions were in cities. Right. And how people lived in just just filth. It's so sad, man. Right. And, and to hear about these children that were forced into labor at like eight years old on coal mines. It's fucking horrendous. That's why when but you- But a reminder yeah, of what's possible. Exactly. But, when you look at that and yeah. you look at today, in a way, like if you live in like a modern city, like even a homeless guy is rich compared to, to yeah. that, right? Yeah. This and, book is, let me give the author's name just yeah. so people know. Um, hold on a second. There it is. You found, oh, you got it? That's it. Yeah. Suzanne Humphreys, MD, and how do you say this gentleman's name? Robin Bistriank. Bistriank. B-Y-S-T-R-A-N-Y-K. Bistrionic. Suzanne Humphreys, MD, and Roman Bistrionic. Bistrionic. Yeah, so it's Dissolving Illusions, Disease, Vaccines, and the Forgotten History. And it's all just about, you know, like, well, the beginning of it, where the part I'm at right now is just like a horrific It's like you can't even, yeah. Just the the conditions that people had to live in and that everyone lived in back then. It's just so disturbing. It's so disturbing because you realize that, like, these people were just poor and they were just stuffed into these areas and everybody lived like this and they were all just in each other's filth and oh. So in the same way, so if you lived in that, you would never imagine we would be like this. Right. Where we are now, we'll never exactly. imagine what's coming. And exactly. What we know little of is frightening. Yeah. I mean, I'm guilty. Like, I know what I know you like samurais. I know you like aliens, but I know you don't like the nerd shit I'm into. And what kind of nerd shit are you into? How do you know I don't like it? Do you like Legos? No. Yeah. So there's a, a there's an AI. I'm not interested in anything that doesn't do the job perfect every time. Okay. It, it's always gonna leave these weird fucking. But I'm sure you've seen it. There's so much AI of like you talking to Jordan Peterson or like someone else talking about like very specific nerd details of Bionicle Legos. Yes. Or or um D and D like shit that you you don't normally talk about. I'm gonna show you something. And it's like right it's now. like hilarious. I'm like I like you know. I'm like, I know it's, like, my brain knows it's not real, but I'm like, wow, Joe's talking really, like, uh, you know, really, like, super into, curious about Legos right now. No, not that interested in Legos. Yeah, I know you're not. <laughs> I think they're cool. I, I loved them when I was a kid. I want to send you this thing, Jamie. This is an artist who makes these things out of chocolate. 
it's fucking incredible. I mean, like one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Like, I can't believe this guy can do this. And how I, I want to know how long it takes it because it's one of them TikTok style videos where you only see like clip after clip after clip. And it's like very condensed uh, version of how he does this. Um, but this guy is an artist who makes stuff out of chocolate. And he made a fucking raptor, like a Jurassic Park raptor. And it's big. Look at this. Check this out. Go, go big with that so you can see this. This is fucking insane what this guy's doing. He's making molds. <laughs> I, like, I like his smile. Oh, he's having a great time. <laughs> well, he knows it's dope. He knows he makes dope shit. Oh, my I mean, God. This guy makes dope shit, dude. Look at this, man. This is the, the biggest fucking chocolate I've ever seen in my life. This is all chocolate. You could eat that thing. How wow. could you eat it, though? How could you? Or how could you not? How could you not? You're, you're, you're Captain Chaos. How could you not eat it? You would have to eat it, right? Look how beautiful this is, though. Like, look at the talons he's putting together. This guy's fucking amazing. Wow. What is his name? Omri Guccion, uh, A-M-A-U-R-Y-G-U-I-C-H-O-N. Um, I don't know where he's from. I just found this yesterday. Whoa, the fucking eye moves? Dude, <laughs> it, it rolls around inside the head. He's got it, like, loose in there. Look at that, man. Wow. That's chocolate. But like hey, All his stuff's incredible, too. Where's he from? It says, uh, yeah, I don't know if he's in America. I don't know where he is. He's got a lot of countries up, up, up on there, so he must perform in, in different places and put those things together. But that's like some of the most incredible shit I've ever seen. And that's total next level stuff, right? Like I've never, I don't know if other people are doing this because I'm ignorant to it, but I've never seen a chocolate fucking raptor like that. Well, like that's amazing. The, the sculpture you have right oh, there. Oh, yeah, that's but, amazing. But could be 3D printed, right? Oh, I don't the, know how he makes the, it, but he's, it's an I, artist in Japan. No, I'm, I'm, like, the, I'm guessing that he actually made that with his hands, but I'm saying we are like that chocolate guy. Right, right, That right, could right. be 3D printed. Right, it could be. So in I'm another like, world, right? Well, or it, this could, could, it could be done now in an easy way, but you wouldn't value it. Well, maybe we wouldn't, but kids don't give a shit, right? Like, <sighs> some, you know, some people do. Like, like it means a lot in some circles. This could be an awkward conversation. Uh oh. Like Jamie's job is probably going to be irrelevant if it isn't already. I told him already. No, no, no. <laughs> I got no, three no, years no. or so. But you would. No, no, but, no, 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 no. I'm no, saying. No, 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 no. Half of this show is the fun of That's pull was, that up, Jamie, that, and then and I'm like, what kind of bullshit ass link is this? Find me some shit on DuckDuckGo. Let's. There could be a good AI that could be fucked. So that, that's my sure, whole history. I'll not, feed it some listen, videos. And... Listen. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's like. No chance. No, because within, everyone's going to want to know that Jamie's here. Right, exactly. So even if that's what I'm saying. Yes. You still want the human content. Yes. Right? Like if the AI is here and it's like every single editing, bring that up, Jamie. Yeah. And, and maybe even you can trick them. There's a deep fake voice that's doing like, all right, Joe, or whatever. Like you would still, for you, you'd be right. like, I like. Jamie as a person, yes. like, I want him here. I like him, you know. Well, it's an intangible part of the vibe. Right. Y if you just decide that that's not a part of the vibe and, and Jamie's not here anymore, I would feel it. I would feel a loss. Right. I'm going to give you an Love example. you, Jamie. There's a thing about things that people do, and this is, like, the, the concern about AI art, and I know a lot of people have concerns about AI art, and I, I get where they're coming from, particularly with taking jobs away from illustrators, and it's going to be a problem if it's not already a problem. It is a problem. <laughs> There's a thing—I'm sure it's a problem. I don't, I don't even know why I'm hedging that, but 
there's a thing that people really love about I love things that someone made. Mm-hmm. Like to me, that's fucking giant. That right. means everything to me. Right. Like this thing. This is uh, by this guy um, Shane against the machine. And this is a uh, a chimpanzee skull that's made from Zildjian symbols. I fucking love this thing. Right. This guy makes shit. Like you go to his Instagram page and he's you can see the texture of the symbol. You couldn't if you did that with a three D three D printer, it wouldn't mean anything. It would still be dope. Like if someone gave me that and it was three D printed, I'd still think it was dope. Right. But knowing that a guy made it, it's way more dope. And that's what we're moving towards. Is I don't think you and I are, and I think as long as we can express the value... No, I'm value, saying I'm, we're moving towards... Oh, yes. You're, you're going to have to make stuff by... like. Yes. It's going to be less... It'll mean more. Yeah, it'll it mean... It means more. It means more. It's real. This is this guy's version of like yes. Metallica tour. Like, you have to... Exactly. You could mass produce shit, but that's yes. going to have less value to this, someone like me. It's a giant thing in the world of pool cues. In, in the world of pool cues, there's there's computer made pool cues yeah where they're made on this lathe and it doesn't ever fuck up and it's really in those pool cues is just about design right and just beautiful execution but in the world of handmade pool cues there's some motherfuckers that are like cutting right there's this guy named um uh, well my buddy john showman's one of the best examples he makes pool cues where they are cutting these points into this wood and they have all these layers of wood and it's a big block and they spin it on a lathe until it becomes the perfect diameter and they make sure the wood has a good harmonic sound to it. They like dunk it on the the concrete to get a a sound. My, My friend Eric Crisp he takes every shaft and he thinks he listens to the the sound that it makes when it bounces off the wow. cement. So he wants uh, to know they have the right harmony and the, that the woods, the harmony of the woods, go together. So the artisanal artisanal pull cue guy, yeah, is um, like how many of those are in the world? There's like, quite a few. There is. Yeah, I mean, not in compared to like how many lawyers there are. Right. I mean, there's but there's dozens. There's dozens all over the world, and there's a lot in Japan too. There's this uh, one company called Zen Cues out of Japan that's doing fucking phenomenal stuff, like super artistic shit on pool cues. But the but the at rate at which, you know, like, I started earlier with you today talking about like how I figured out the money game or the thing. Like the yeah. AI can figure that out in two seconds, right? right. Like a, it could catfish the shit out of anyone. So in that same way, it will figure out how to make imperfect stuff to give it a handmade look. And no. Then, I, I I honestly you're, think you're good. So then the value will be in the documentation of it. Yeah. So like here's there's a go to uh, North Demon Cues. There's this guy in China. Yeah. That makes these fucking beautiful pool cues, and he documents a lot of the 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 construction of it on all these tiny little things right. that he's inlaying in there with silver and copper, and he's setting it all. Look at this fucking gorgeous work, man. Wow. This guy's doing this. I mean, there's photos of his lab where he puts all this stuff together, but his cues are fucking gorgeous. Beautiful. They're works of art, and they play really good, too. It's a crazy combination because you can't just have that. It has to be balanced. It has to have a feel when you drive through the ball. And you can make amazing stuff with computers. You can make amazing stuff with machines. But you're you're not going to feel it in your hand and know that a man on the other side of the world constructed this. And he did it in his, in his, his workshop. And he did it with machines like sanding things and sawing things and lining it up perfectly. Right. It's so, incredible. So someone who's in the position of like, 
that's my passion or my hobby. I love making handmade yeah. pool cues, but that doesn't really pay the bills. So I'm going to go towards law school. Like now that your job is taken away, it's going to push this. This is what I, one theory that could happen or one path. But let me just stop you right there. Because right. in the world of pool cues, those guys have like a three-year waiting list. That's what Some I'm of s- them have a 10. Southwest cues might have a 16-year waiting list. But that's like with any specialty thing, right? Yeah. The guy who hand makes knives or yeah. jackets or whatever. Like they all, like the ones that are the best will always have a, but like if you're out there right now and you're like, fuck, I got to, if, if this is moving towards cyborg God level yeah. and, it, and it's not evil and it's not trying to kill us and it does make the world a better place where ev- it's like 3D printing houses for everyone and figuring out how to grow its own food and you don't actually need to make that much money because it's like providing for you, then you're going to have to figure out how to like be a person and live with and like, you know, have a Jamie or have friends and you know, more human experiences instead of just living online all the time. My legitimate concern is we're going to be amongst the last of the people. That's my legitimate concern. My legitimate concern is we, the the, the idea that we would never be here is so outside the realm of possibility that we don't even think about it. Then we better party fucking hard. But I think if you think about all the other planets that don't have any life, the idea that this one life is going to prevail, why, just because it's us and we're awesome? Like, I don't believe that. So and, and whether it's by nuclear right. disaster, you know, whether it's war, uh, nuclear war, whether it's some horrific natural disaster, wh- whatever it is, it easily could happen. And the idea that it wouldn't. But the, this thing that we create, mm-hmm. if we create this thing and this thing figures out the possibilities of these things happening and also figures out asteroids that are coming that we uh, aren't aware of because we don't have the capability, but it does, so it figures out a better way to detect asteroids and then a better way to deflect them and then can protect the Earth mm-hmm. and make sure that at least that aspect of the natural disaster you know, problem chart is going to be solved. Right? Okay, now we know we have an iron shield like, you know, like Jerusalem has. Right. Like we have an iron shield over the Earth and no asteroid's ever going to fuck us up. So now we've got to deal with super volcanoes. Maybe AI can do that. Maybe AI can say, you know what, if we just drill in from under the ocean in this direction, we can relieve some of the pressure by having the lava go into the ocean, and it'll stop this idea of having a fucking caldera super volcano that wipes out everything on the continent. Because those happen all the time, too. Right. Those happen every, you know, whatever, a million years or so. So are you scared? You're, I mean, not scared. I'm in acknowledgement of the the just the full scope of possibilities but i'm also acutely aware that i have a desire to think that everything's going to be okay because i'm okay right now and i think everybody has that feeling i think that's a human feeling but and that's why you don't think about things like asteroid impacts but but if we play out what you just said if 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 we buy in that this is it like we're the last of the this we might not be we might not but let's just say it is yeah then what should we be doing with our time nothing just like, do, enjoy your life. There's not, definitely not, enjoy not a goddamn life. thing you're going to be, be able to do to stop the progression Party of this thing. up in here. It's like stopping the rain. You're not going to stop the rain. Right. Once it starts raining, you know, it's not, you're not stopping it. It's the, It'll stop on its own. It's the dudes playing their instruments as the t- Titanic is sinking. It's yeah. like if it's happening, you could panic and try to get to Mars or in the lifeboat or whatever, or you could just be like, it's here. It's just it's, one of many possibilities. There's right. other possibilities too. One of them might be that we embrace psychedelics and we change culture and, and human beings start behaving in a way that's more consistent with what we would like to see from an advanced civilization. I and just had um, Rick Doblin on my on I did my too. Sh- I just had him on too. He's this awesome. This mic smells like Rick Doblin. Uh, that guy. 
He's man, the best. He's he's been he's in the, the trenches for decades. He, hearing him say that he decided to uh, get into psychedelic therapy when he was like 18, 19 years old. I'm like, how did you? What, how did? <laughs> right. It wasn't even legal back then. But this guy's been on that grind forever. So the only like, like I don't fucking know shit about NFTs, but like I made one and just for to it was it's like buying a painting where I paint over like 20 times. Right. And I donated all of that to to Maps and like. That's awesome. Like Rick. Like psychedelics saved my life. It's like connected me to like a part of myself I would never get to through Western uh, therapy or whatever. So I've I've known Rick for a while. You know, we talk here and there. And I said, hey, I have a show called The Cho Show. You want to come on? And he came in and like because he's been in the trenches because he's this close to getting it. He went into like kind of politician mode and like, bro, like you could do that on any other show. Like, yeah. Um, What's the like the most intimate thing we can do? Like I'm not trying to fuck you or anything like that. Settle down. <laughs> and uh and uh I said, you know, a lot of people like for me the most intimate thing you can do with someone is like touch their face. Like, you know. So right. so we touched each other's faces for like 20 minutes. <sighs> and then the rest Well, he's an MDMA guy. That's he, normal if you're We were on, tripping on I didn't have to, you know, he's like let's do it. So he touched right. my face <laughs> and I closed my eyes and I was like this guy and like I had a like you, you could say it's bullshit. I had a deeper conversation doing that than if we actually exchanged words. Mm. So we touched our face for a long time, and then when he started talking to me, and look, I, like I, I want to have fun. Like show me how to have fun. Like it's just life just grinds you down, and it's all about you know people say this: the journey from your head to the heart is the longest journey you'll take in your life and it's been true mm, for me that's interesting i like that because everything is lo- like people apply way too much logic right they're like how come what the fuck's that like th- like the stats it doesn't match up it doesn't make it i'm like feeling we're so far from feeling so i just wanted i was like i have you on rick i want to feel you he touched my face i touched his face and then we just talked in gibberish for like an hour like mm. and like i you could say we're silly goofing off, which that's part of it. But it's like in the times where words have failed me, like I can never like fully, I always feel that I can sometimes get closer when I paint or do something like where I express my art. But like talking is, has limited me in times. And so for me to talk to him in like hut teas or tongues or some weird shit that just came out of me and just came, I mean, that guy's the master. And I just felt like, so connected to him in that moment and i was like i was like what else is there to say you know yeah no that guy's so valuable he's the best work his work is so valuable he's a he's the he's the man and what i was saying earlier i didn't mean that like somehow or another that's going to stop the inevitable that if we embrace psychedelics but i do think it would be it'd be very beneficial if we did it in a in a way where people who understood how to do it were administrating it to more people not for everybody. I'm not saying it's for everybody, but it's for a lot of people. Well, the and thing they what say- I think is even if we do that, we're still faced with this fucking real crisis of artificial intelligence. It's a real crisis because yeah. if it gets switched, if it goes to that thing, does whatever it wants, we have zero to do. We have, we have nothing to say. We, have, we are now the inferior species. We are right. 100% at the mercy of our robot overlords. Right. And that was, you know, Marshall McLuhan had a fucking amazing quote from the 1960s. It said, human beings are the sex organs of the machine world. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It, it might be true. It McLuhan might be. wrote that in like the 60s. 
I don't think a par- am I paraphrasing that? I don't think I am. It's, it sounds I good. Think, I think that's exactly how he said it. But like that is what we do, man. Mm-hmm. And if that's what we do, like there's so many instances of that in nature where right. a thing becomes another thing. The caterpillar has no fucking idea what it's doing when it's making a cocoon. It's just doing it. It doesn't have the cognitive ability to understand that it's making uh, a protective air. At least we don't think it does. It has the, the, the ability to make a protective casing in which it's going to morph and change into a completely different thing with fucking wings. I mean, that's... And then it's going to pop out of that thing and fly away like the most universally regarded as beautiful insect right. that we have. So in the same way, like... Uh weightlifting dude in the 50s would not recognize like a roided out like modern super buff they would be, guy they would be bad we're not gonna recognize what humans are gonna, way more of a yeah. jump way more it'll of a be jump. a way more of a jump it, like, it might be a jump outside of the biological hey when you get your wings and i get my wings we're gonna fly we're gonna have a good time we're gonna fly bro we're probably gonna fly without going anywhere that's what's gonna be really weird i think i think human beings are gonna be able to do things that if we stop and think about it right now seems ridiculous I think we're going to be able to make contact with other life forms. Here it goes. <laughs> Man becomes, as it were, the sex organs of the machine world. As the bee of the plant world, enabling it to func- fecundate and evolve Fecund. ever new forms. The machine world reciprocates man's love by expediting his wishes and desires, namely in providing him with wealth. Mm. That's from Understanding Media, 1964. 64. Jesus. McLuhan was brilliant brilliant guy but that that quote human beings are the machine the machine world sex organs is fucking it's such a nutty thing to think but i i if that it, man it's in nature it's in so many different there's so many different forms of life where one form of life takes over another form of life and uses it to birth a new thing like aquatic worms that convince a grasshopper to jump into a pool and drown so that it can be born. You've seen those, right? Yeah. Like that shit exists all throughout nature. Maybe the lure of your phone. Oh, six hours a day. What you just described right now is actually how I view you. Right? Like What? Oh no. No, I mean in a like in a <laughs> well, look, I also view myself that way, but you are not the same, you know, like people can see someone and see them physically. But like when I see you and I say you're beautiful, like I see I see your soul, which someone could be like, that's some hippy dippy shit. But I feel energies like once you could use your words like I'm not like. Right. Like I'm not an intellect scholar or whatever. So you could destroy me like in a verbal thing or someone smarter. But like I'm like, what? Like I'm always like, what? Where are you coming from? What's your what's your soul telling me? Right. So you're not the same person that you were 10 years ago, five minutes ago. Right. So I feel like I don't want to call it a parasite, but like something you're in touch, like you're in touch with something that's created this newest form of Joe that I'm meeting today. That's not the same guy I met like 15 years ago. It's just constant work, constant yeah. work and constant thinking. Well, and I spend a lot of time evaluating my thoughts. Yeah. You know, I spend a lot of time evaluating my, why I think about things and what, what I'm thinking and you know, whether or not I'm being influenced or whether or not I'm being, when I'm being egotistical or confused and like, why do I behave the way I behave? Like, what could I do better? And I, I just, I'm always thinking about it. And you were, and that's, that's head stuff, right? And you, yeah. you're already thinking about it, but then to do psychedelics, would you agree? Like sent it even oh, like, yeah. 100%. right. Changes everything. So marijuana first, marijuana first changed it. And then I think there's a lot of people that go through life without any perturbance of normal consciousness that are missing out on 
the possibilities of looking at yourself in a way that you don't, you can't do without a psychedelic, or I've never been able to do it. Maybe you can do it with yoga or some forms of meditation. I don't want to say you can't do it. I say, but I will say I've never done it. So I've uh, never experienced like the the revelations that I've had about never. life through any other form other than maybe. I mean, there's love and childbirth, and there's some pretty profound moments that seem very psychedelic in life. Childbirth seems very psychedelic. That's the most surreal thing a, ever. When right. you see a baby being right. born into the world, and the love that you have is like you're on a drug. Right. It's so bizarre. It's so bizarrely psychedelic. But there's there's a bunch of those experiences that transcend us in the regular world. You know, for some people, it's a near-death experience. Some people, it's coming back from something where they realize, like, oh, my God, I almost lost everything, and now I have a newfound love and appreciation for the world. But I think psychedelics do that without the harm. And even without, though you did – so you've done your own psychedelics. I've, we've never done it together. No. Like, I've done it, but because you've done those things and I've done them, now we have a shared language when we meet where it's almost, to me, might not be for you, uh, kind of telepathic, and it's like – I've almost died multiple times. I've had, I have children. I've, I've had all those amazing, and you're right, those create a euphoric drug-like, and psychedelics surpasses that by like, for me, like. What's a different thing? It's a different thing because it's not in this material realm. It's this, this thing of whatever that dimension of thought and beings and consciousness is. I don't know what that is, but it's, it doesn't exist here, right? Mm -hmm. So you can only take the information that you get from that and bring it back to here. I think that's where a lot of people lose some of it. Like, it's mm -hmm. hard to take that. They, you take that experience and, like, how do you apply some of that to your life without, mm -hmm. like, recognizing that the way you're living currently is not optimal? Can I, can I tell you what one of those things was for me very, sure. very recently? Do you believe I have to pee again? <laughs> go, go pee. I'm peeing so much. Go. This is preposterous. But I'll pee one more time okay. and then we'll wrap this up. Okay. Um, this is something I can't, I, when I watch it on YouTube or on Spotify, I don't see. But like that painting of you, like I always thought that line coming, I thought it was like you had a rat tail, like Anakin Skywalker or something. Oh. And it's the it's a broken uh, yeah, uh, the wire. Yeah, cords. Um, yeah, so let me tell you something. So um, going back to. Aliens? aliens and the and, and god and the spirit world being like funnier than any comedian i've ever met like um, that's hilarious so what you're just telling me so my it, i'm gonna tell people though before you yeah you did stand up and it was very funny <laughs> you did stand up you only did it once and you did it like it was at ucla right <laughs> yeah and uh i watched it i watched the whole i did thing. it three times i did it three did times you, yeah okay i only i thought that at that time i think that was the first time you did it right yeah you were in the blue suit was it a blue red suit? suit red, red suit. suit that's right Dude, it was very funny. Thank you. It was good. I was like, this guy could be a comic. Thank you. And I remember I called you and I told you that. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much. You I could do that. Like you could do. You're one of those weird fucking dudes, like Howard Stern, where you, <laughs> you could start painting. You could do. But I think most of us are like that. I just go all in. I just. I like, know, but that you do. But that same reason, like I know, I'm kind of joking with you. Like, why do you think that you could win fucking Survivor? Because there's other people like you out there. But I know, I love the fact that you don't think there is. Can you tell me if this is true? I I heard that your new comedy club, which I can't wait to check out. Like, you have to put your phone into that lock thing yeah. before you go in. Mm -hmm. Just hearing that, like, just like when I did, yeah, there there was cell phones the first time I did it, but like. I, I just, to know that you could literally say anything. You can and, say anything. And it's not going to come, you know, and come maybe. do a show. Dude, like it's. <laughs> we'll put you in the little room. It's You'll a, love the little room. The little room is the shit. It's the fucking most honest room in the world. 120 <sighs> seats. It's fucking incredible. 
It's think, like you're in there, you're like, wow. Thinking about doing stand up is probably the same reason why I still work out at like the worst 24 hour fitness. This is what I'm trying to it's do to you. Stress- I'm trying to get you to move to Austin, do jujitsu, and do stand up. What am I trying to do to him? In, in, in. Um, <laughs> but to go back uh, before pee break, the thing I wanted to say. Aliens. Okay, so <laughs> my my life uh, or my my experience or my journey with psychedelics is. 35 was the first time I ever did anything. Like, I'd never done drugs. Maybe I smoked weed once with uh, BJ Penn, like, before something. <laughs> but I did it once. He's like, you're not going to smoke with the champ, bro. And I'm like... You got to smoke with BJ. Oh, man. I t- That's I took, like smoking with Snoop Dogg. I took one hit of whatever, how powerful that shit was, and I couldn't move. So that was it. When and, did you meet BJ? Uh, I met BJ through uh, Pat from Ruka 20 years ago, Dude. maybe. Like... BJ, so you met BJ when BJ was in his prime. Oh yeah, BJ Penn in his prime to this day. I think there was a couple of years of BJ Penn that I would put up against. I would like to see him against anybody at 155 pounds. The prodigy ever lived. The prodigy. Bro. He just he, he, people they they only look at like bad performances. And I said this to BJ when he was on the podcast. If you just look at the elite ones, he was so good. He was so good. And he, when, when he was really fit, like right. when he was doing his strength and conditioning with the Marinoviches, like during the right. Sean Shirk fight and the Diego Sanchez right. fight, bro, right. BJ was a motherfucker. But I know you didn't like how I said <sighs> Eddie Murphy should quit when he, whatever. When I look at my friend like BJ Penn or someone like Conor McGregor or Anderson Silva, people that just killed it, right? They just, they took it, elevated it from right. like- Right, but why those, quit? Why quit? It's the most fun thing ever. This is what you don't understand. Like, there's that's the most fun thing to do. It's the most fun. But losing is fun. It's not always losing. But like at the end, when they're they keep thinking they're gonna win. Like me, I guess. Like Anderson Silva beat Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. in a boxing match when he was like 46 years old. But like those last few that he got his ass rocked, it changes my image of like. Well, Anderson broke his leg. Whatever. If he's having a great time, fuck it. Do you know the story? No, I know I, he's. Yeah. I'm a. But when huge he broke that, when his leg was broke, he was never the same again. Right, he was just not the same guy. Right, and Weidman's KO of him also put a giant dent in him. I mean, that was a big KO. Weidman caught him with that left hook and just fucking clocked him. And so going from that, and the, at a, you know, he's advanced age, and he's right. older in his later thirties. Like he didn't. Even, I don't think he got to the UFC till he was thirty four. Right. Which for an elite combat sports athlete is like that's like the very cusp, the top. Like I think Pajeda, Alex Pajeda, came at the same sort of age bracket, like 34, 30, I think he's thirty-five now. I guess it comes down to value system of what, like, if you're still having a great time. But I'm talking about not just fighters, but anyone who's operating at a high, high wire act level, whether that's comedy, music, fighting. It's like no one's the goat forever, right? You're gonna fucking like. Like, yeah, I, but it's not even about that. Just do your best. No, do, do your, your best, do and you, it's fun to do that. Do your best, but if at some point, like, people stop laughing, you're starting to lose. Get better. Figure out what the wow. fuck you lost. Wow. Stop being a bitch. What are you gonna quit to go take naps? Let's it's, go. It's not. Let's go, David Cho. First Let's of go. All, first of all, I take a lot of naps, <laughs> and it's not quit. It's pivot. It's adapt. Right. It's like you're gonna stand here as AI comes at you, and you're like, no, no, no I'm no, still no, the no, best. No, no. no. no now we're s- talking about some insurmountable object, ob- uh, obstacle. But, we're not talking about someone's career that they've already flourished in. We're talking about an insurmountable obstacle. If you're talking about AI, you're talking about a life form. Right. 
and you're talking about probably the new dominant life form on Earth, and probably that's probably how <laughs> life gets designed in the cosmos. It probably recognized at a certain point in time the biological limitations of evolution in regards to, to these multi-celled organisms. Right. But if evolution can convince these multi-celled organisms to create something synthetic right. that's not dependent on flood, b blood or bone and maybe can live off solar energy or live off water, who knows? But if, if it can do that, if it can figure out that, then you, the game's over. Well, look, besides and probably what happens everywhere. the very, very powerful one puff of BJ's weed that I smoke, <laughs> my drug, so I'm 46 now. So the last 11 years, I've done mushrooms eight times. I did ayahuasca three times all in one week. That, that was the first time. And then very recently, once again, the comedian is back, God, alien, whatever you want to call him. And I, I was summoned by the guardians of the plant, Ayoboga from, from uh, Gabon in Africa. I'd never done it. I was like... The last time I did ayahuasca, which was 35, the drug told me, the medicine told me, you're done. We've given you enough blueprint, enough instructions for you to do for the rest of your life. You don't need to abuse us because you like to abuse things. Mm. Like, and so, so I stayed off that. And then the, my friend called me. He's like, these guys that just are psychics that like, you know, go around the world like administering these iboga ceremonies. Like it's the entire plant grinded up. And I was not, I was not ready. So I'm in a mental hospital because I just finished filming Beef. I'm trying to like go back to, like you said, I was very affected by emotions. I'm trying to get back to me, Dave, like peaceful, loving Dave. And, and this guy's calling me from Mexico City saying, I've been summoned by the Guardians of the Plant. Sounds like a movie. And I did the most powerful psych. I mean, I was high for four days where I would go to, like I couldn't sleep. I, I couldn't eat. Like, and... <laughs> You know, not recommended for it was it was way way past what ayahuasca was, and we have all humans have an operating system. If we're like fleshy computers, right? We're yeah. born and then you you're taught what you're taught, and then you kind of that's yeah. who I am, and that's kind of stuck who you are for the rest of your life. And this thing just started making so many jokes at me. Like it's like you have a living trust. You have a will, like all the things that like normal wealthy people do or whatever. It was just laughing at me. He's like, you have storage units full of what? And so I just, in, in that psycho, psychedelic state, in that spiritual state, I was like, I have so many, I'm a hoarder because of my mom. I collect a lot of shit. I have comics. I have like rare painting. I have a lot of shit where I'm never going to sell it. And like the people, like when I die, like, this is anyone who has a lot of shit. They're probably not going to know. Like, I have a lot of stuff that's worth a lot to me because of the sentimental value and then things that are just actually worth a lot of money. And the thing was like, why don't you just give it away to the people who want it while you're alive? And I was like, oh, fuck. And kind of like teasing me. And this is like seven months ago. So I've given away like 90% of my personal possessions. Wow. Like, and like, there's some kid right now wearing, like, I don't know why I still have my prom suit that I lost my virginity in like 1992. Like, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. So he has, he has that. But I, in my mind, my ego goes, when I die and there's a Dave Cho museum, maybe there'll be like a thing of like mm -hmm. all my crazy clothes I wore. And I'm like, I'm going to give this to someone. Can you like, imagine someone going to a museum of your life? Well, like Hard Rock Cafe, right? There's Prince's guitar. Right, okay, and but like, that's like everybody. Right. It's like every band, you know, yeah. Freddie Mercury's mustache comb. Right. You know, but 
imagine your own like oh and 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 so like i had like a very transformative i'm not going to do a good job if i'm try to explain to you what happened but i know that most people will never do like that level psychedelic but i know like a lot of shamans they don't even do ayahuasca or whatever because they're so in touch with the nature and stuff mm-hmm. so i'm going to save a lot of people money right now in all my fucked upness in all the rehabs all the this is a common thing at like a super expensive rehab is um there's a thing called TRE, trauma release exercise. And I did this in Arizona with this uh, guy, Taruno. And uh, from what he tells me, humans and domesticated dogs are the only animals on the planet that after they experience any kind of trauma, carry it in their body for the rest of their lives. Wow. So you have a, a cheetah chasing like a gazelle and like getting this close, like scratching its butt, like... Like, if that was a human, you're like, bro, I almost got killed by a fuck, you know? Yeah. But then you see the gazelle, like, a minute later, go sip some water in a lake, and the butt's doing a little, like, it's shaking that that insanity out. Like, oh. And then it's like it never happened again. Mm. But if we're, whatever, this is what's taught to me, and it, to me, it, in my situation, it was true. If you've had, like, any kind of trauma, you just carry that. It's It creates stress, anxiety, addiction, all these things. And so a very common thing, and I'm giving this secret away, is you go to like an expensive rehab and they give you a tennis racket or a baseball bat and then you hit a pillow or a dummy and you get that out. You do this TRE, trauma release exercise, and you're like, you know, if you're a fighter or a boxer, you get to get it out in other ways. But most, I would say most people have never been in a fist fight or like bash someone's head with a baseball bat or, you know. So to just get the motion, the feeling of hitting a... Uh, a dummy I'm like and th- and these places are expensive so me as an artist I go why not make a, a mannequin that looks exactly like my abuser and and or or I take it one step further I'm like can I just hit a person like that's wearing pads and they're like Dave this is like a business like there's lawsuits and liabilities and I go oh well you could do that because or you can't do that because you're a professional but I'm an artist so I have artistic license so a few years ago this is before you left LA you know, this was the worst uh, business decision for me because it cost millions of dollars. And this this is what a normal art show is now like, right? Like like a line waiting, Banksy, whoever, Damien Hurst. And then everyone comes in, takes a selfie. They don't give a shit about the art. And then they just post like, I was mm, there, right? Right. And so that same side to Does me. Does that is, irritate you? Well, there's a part of me that's like, well, I want to get more likes and more whatever. But so... In a way, it ended up being the best decision that I've business decision I ever made because I had a show in an office building where I rented out this entire office building in each room. I had a I'm trying to re basically steal everything that I learned in all these rehabs and recontextualize it in like a in an artistic way. Like most people have never screamed their lungs out, right? And there's movies where you go scream at the ocean. I had one where you walk in a room. This is just like I'll give you like two of them. You walk in a room and there's a punk band where the lead singer just OD'd as soon as you walk in. And, and then they grab you and they go, you need to finish the song. And the song is like written out on the wall. I spray painted the lyrics. It's like, I'm the best. I'm the best. I'm the motherfucking best. And they make you keep screaming it. And then you get to be the lead singer of a of this. And that's just one room, right? And then you go in another room and it's covered with um, sculptures. Like all these found object sculptures I made. But... Um, I'm doing the fucking thing that I said. I'm the magician giving away this. 
um, there's a guy in there and he knows everything about you or not everything, but you know, he, you fill out an application. So he knows like what's bothering you, what causes you the most stress. And he goes up to you and he says, Hey Joe, I know you're having some problems right now at home or, you know, whatever your issue is. He goes, I, I invite you to take that out on me. And you're like, what? what? And you give you a huge bat. And what? you just beat the shit out of this guy. And the harder you beat him, he starts laughing and says, Take, give me all of it. And, you know, he's fully protected with police oh, okay. armor, right? Okay. But then I made it artistic, you know. So you literally get to beat the shit out of a human. And then I was like. Do you have to use the bat? I mean, the people lost their mind. They were started punching, kicking. You can do that? No rules, dude. I'm not a fucking, like, I'm not a legit business. And then we took it <laughs> on the road. I was like, hey, go to the park across the street. So the guy in the, the living sculpture goes across the street, and I had a guy with a bat, and I'm like, anyone who has some shit they want to get off their chest, like a lady's hitting this guy with the bat going, what is this? I need to give know me my child support. Give me my fucking child support. Oh, no. <laughs> like, what does this, uh, this suit look like? It's all the, like, the police stuff that it could take the impact, and then I did like, uh, like a sculpture on top of it. So parts of the sculpture are like breaking off, but underneath he's protected. Right? Jesus Christ, but from a bat? Yeah. Was, was the person hitting him in the head? He had it fully neck, yeah. fully this. And, and we told them, don't hit, don't hit the, the, like, what, we learned the hard way. Like, he got one right here. <laughs> That's but, what I was asking. But, like, but your I, head's going to get rattled no matter what just from the impact. But, the, the, you know, and this is four years ago I did this, and I'm, like, like, the, the show, like, I just explained. This explained two things that happened at the show, and there was like hundreds of rooms. So this thing cost me millions of dollars, and it was so impactful for me. Forget like you know, like the difference between like oh I have a million people that went through my show and took a selfie to like I got to sh connect with people, I got to share. And so, look, I mean, you told me this on the last time I saw you, which is like Dave, you should start a Patreon or do some shit. And I was like, nah, I'm like, what I've learned about myself, about accountability is in the last 10 years, I've given my art away for free and people don't appreciate free. Mm. There has to be some skin in the game, right? Yeah, I think there's like when I give away that. like, like a thousand dollar prints for free, they go immediately. Like it must not be good. Mm -hmm. Right. But the second I charge money, they're like, Oh, so like you, you tell me where I should go with this. Cause I, I'm, I just started a YouTube channel like very recently because I'm like, I'm like, what are you doing on it? I'm doing like wacky shit, dude. I'm just like talking to my inner child. I'm just like on YouTube. Yeah, but you know your inner child's not on YouTube. I know. So. I, I, <laughs> it's like I'm doing like I'll do a uh, I'll do a um uh like a uh, guided meditation on like oh that's cool and and then I'm like but that didn't speak to me. I want to do a guided meditation as Wolverine, as Batman, and then I'll put that shit up on. So just whatever you feel like, doing. just whatever I feel like. And then because through just all the experiments I've done, like that experience, the Cho show in the building was free. I made my TV show. I have, if you, if you go to the Cho show now, I have a paid thing now of people. It's like, I don't even know if I really want to do it, but I want some accountability from people, right? Like, when things are free, everything's like, uh, whatever. But when you have some skin in the game, at least that's how I operate. That's always know? been the, the case with comedy clubs. Like whenever right. they give away the tickets for free, it's right. always a disaster. It's right. never good. Like you want people to be there because they it's worth something to them. 
Right. It's a, an exchange. So this is the the first thing was the Chosho where they like it wasn't um it was like I could only get like a hundred people through a day because it's such a intense experience for each person. And that was fulfilling for me. But if I'm trying to meet people where they're at in the third space and that's online, it's like how can I how can I um how can I teach people everything that I've learned? Because it's such a weird thing. It's such a weird feeling for me to go to a place that costs 100000 a month. And I'm like, what did I really learn there? Mm. They just taught me how to feel again. They redid my operating system. And I'm like, this... And, and then like with my kids now and any kid now, you go to school to learn 2 plus 2 or all the shit that the AI is going to do anyways. And they don't teach you like how to like get in touch with your emotions or like express yourself in like, right. like all those like very simple things. So we kind of grow up robots, like these like unfeeling robots, like college, get married, well, have we a kid. we grow up in a know. way that facilitates us getting a good job. So like my life right now, pre like everything I just told you about is just, I, it's dad life. I'm chilling. Like I just, I, I spend a lot of time with my kids. I'm chilling. But now I like had a taste of acting I'm like, uh, I, I have like uh, the YouTube thing. So I'm, I, I'm, I want to make on. sure. You, you went, you acted, and it, you wound up in a fucking mental institution. I checked myself and now in. You, I checked myself in. You too. wound up in a mental institution. Yeah. One, I didn't say someone dragged you there. Right. But you would want to go back to doing that. If it was. That seems to me. Batman, Wolverine, <laughs> White Chicks 2, Heat 2, uh, uh well, actually, I ha th this show's not even out yet, or it might be out when. But uh, like, people are already hitting me up. They're like, "You're a scene stealer." They're s saying this shit, and so I got a part in the new Batman uh, as the Joker, and I'm calling myself the Choker because I'm the Choster. And um, the audition person is really, really fucking rough, and they keep having me come back because my fucking daughter, dude. I'm like sitting there going. All day I play Batman. All day I play Wolverine. All day I do this shit, and it's fun. I don't know if I'd have fun like on a set, like you know, cut, chop his head off again, cut. It's a lot of work. The, the fun thing is seeing the product, right? That's what's fun about it. I think I already got your answer. You're like fuck acting, so I think yeah, I'm, no, I, I think I'm done. I get it for some people. It's just like look, some like Jamie likes golf. I've never played golf. You know what I'm saying? It's like that kind of thing. There's a lot of great things out there. You just can't do more than you're already doing if you're full. And I'm full of stuff to do. I don't have any more stuff to do. I have no room for other stuff. I'm not interested. I like watching other stuff. Mm. Doesn't mean I don't like it. Just I'm not doing it. I don't have the time. I, I guess I'm not. I guess I'm pretty full. Like my kids and like that life is. But there's still part of me that feels I learned some shit. Yeah. And I, I feel like I want to sh maybe share those things. Um, like, I would love to never podcast again. I love talking to you, but, like, there's a part of me that feels even hoarderish when I learn something that can help someone and I keep it to myself. Mm. Like, I've learned a lot of shit. I mean, when a kid asked me today, like, how do I make it in the art business? I'm like, that I don't know because anything I made it as an illustrator, as a graffiti art, like, none of that stuff's relevant anymore. But the stuff that has to do with fun feeling again like i mean dude sorry if i told the story again but there's an art barn at most rehabs because most of these guys are like strung up they like are ceos whatever so 
the one that I went to was like a hundred grand a month. So there's a lot of multimillionaires, billionaires there. And there's an art barn. And I'm like, fuck yeah, that's where I'm going to escape. And like, you know, and they're like, not for you. I'm like, what? I can't go in there? And they're like, no, that's where you like, you know, that's right. how you get high. So you're going to go do something else. Mm. And I'm like, fuck. But I would always sneak in and try to like, whatever. So there's a dude in there. And I'm not going to say who he is, but he's like, probably one of the most powerful people on the planet he could buy like a thousand or a billion of these rehabs and like just and um and so the assignment is to like draw like your favorite like food like to- you know something from your childhood using these acrylic paints but on the next level is the gr- glitter paints right and i see this guy holding his hand and i i go by the art barn i'm like looking in the window like jealous i want to be in there and i go one of the most richest, powerful men in the planet is asking permission right now if he can use the glitter paint. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and I go, that's it. Because my kids don't ask for permission, right? My kid will go into my closet and put on every single piece of clothes and come back. And, and I'm like, I'm going to do that. When's the last time I did that? Eight, seven years old? And I go and I put on like all my underwear, like, and I just, we, we have, and then I roll down the stairs and I go, permission granted. Like people really don't, they forgot how to have fun. They forgot how to like be goofy. But they if forgot. you're like some CEO guy, maybe he wants that. He wants to ask permission for things. Seems like the same way some of those guys want to get kicked in the balls by a dominatrix. Right. Like some of those guys, they like, it's like you were saying you got so much pussy, you almost wanted to suck a dick. Like, some of those guys have so much power, they want someone to yell at them and humiliate them. They've become tyrants. They've become kings. Mm-hmm. They've become a master of their domain, and it feels imbalanced to them, probably. And that's probably why they seek out getting humiliated. But you walk this... you So, like, you know Elon Musk? I mean, you walk... Like, I feel like we're similar in that way. Like, I can go work out at the worst 24-hour fitness and then also be in yeah. rooms with those people. The rich and the poor are not that different mentally. I, I find you, your your mentality changes with the lack of fear of not having any money. Yeah, you know, and some people it doesn't. Some people they they always think about how they used to be poor and they can never get over the anxiety of the possibility of going back to being poor. So they just go on a, like a mad dash to having a fucking heart attack. And, right. You know, and, and other people settle. That in. was me. Like, you seem settled in now, though. And I think I'm pretty settled in too. I'm settled in. I think I have. I got to wrap this up, my brother. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no it's worries. Almost, almost 5 p.m. So acting done? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm then, not interested. And then YouTube channel? Thumbs up or thumbs yeah, down? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I want you to do whatever you want to do. And if that's what you want to do, yeah, definitely thumbs up. It'll be fun. I'm sure it'll be chaos. And then podcast. And at- also, like, it'll grow and evolve, too. Like, if you, if you do a YouTube channel, you'll, you're a very analytical guy. You'll look at it and decide, oh, now I want to try this. Now I'll try that. And then you have this platform now, and you're developing the platform completely independently from other people's ideas. You can do whatever the fuck you want. I just don't want to get devoured by work, right? You don't have to. So YouTube channel and then podcast, the show show. Stay the fuck away from acting. And no more <laughs> acting. Yep, there it is. All right. Thank you, my brother. It's always, always a pleasure to talk to you. And we are the hot the... too. Oh, yeah. Thank you. That's for you, bro. Thank you. Thank you, man. Fuck yeah, man. Fuck yeah. Now the real podcast is going to start. Bye, <laughs> buddy. <laughs>